Hey there, I'm Rebecca Carter and welcome to Not Nosy, the podcast where I interview artists that I know and admire about their life and their art. Today we've got Jake Olson on the podcast. You may know him as Melanoso on Hit Record and social media. He's an illustrator and designer and a lot more located in Western New York. We really got into a lot of topics in our conversation, and you've probably already seen the length of this episode, and there's a reason for that. First of all, uh, Jake has been really open and vocal lately about mental health, and we spent a lot of time talking about his journey and the topic in general. We got into activism, and we also talked about art things like freelance design, platforms to share your work, teaching others, finding clients. But honestly, all of the topics were super connected. It was a really fluid conversation, and I really enjoyed getting to know Jake better. I think you're going to enjoy this one. I sure did. So settle in and have a listen. This is Jake Olson. I've like had like a million different ways that I was I, I was thinking of starting with you and I still haven't decided. You, she, you and me both. So you, I'm going to go a different way. So you're back, you're back like near where you grew up basically, right? Yeah. Does it feel more like home? Like are you glad you... I mean, the feeling of home is like a, it's kind of like a double standard type of thing. Like it feels like home because I'm closer around like where my mom and my dad are. You know, I'm, I'm staying with them right now. It's just kind of... The situation that um, has has happened, um, but it also feels like home because I'm surrounded by uh, people that don't align with your values. That's a nicer way of putting it. <laughs> I mean, there's one thing I wanted to ask is um, I'm sure that this is a pretty pretty open, friendly uh, podcast. Swearing? How is how is swearing? Oh, you can swear. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my tongue a little bit because I am a New Yorker, not from the city uh-huh. originally, but it's in my blood and it takes a lot for me not to swear. What you'll find <laughs> is I don't typically swear, um, just because I just don't. Yeah. But some people it's just like more natural. It doesn't bother me at well, all. Well and, and yeah. you you have kids, I mean not to say that they're affected by it now, but like having that is kind of like right. it builds a trial of like, okay, maybe I should go easy on it here and there whereas I don't have kids and I'm just like right (laughs) oh for sure for sure like I have times where I just want to be like can you please pick up all your shit off of the floor and it's like and I've gotten to the point where I'll I'll say crap yeah and they'll be like they'll think I'm swearing when I say crap yeah it's all intent but like inside I just want to be like your shit is everywhere no yeah it, it doesn't matter we we already earned an explicit rating for this uh, podcast, this episode. So oh okay, oh yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I mean th- to to be honest, at this point it's done. Yeah. So if, to be honest, if you want to check off the boxes, there's probably a few things that <laughs> might put this episode in a category. I worried. I was like, I'm gonna be the one that breaks her podcast. Oh no, my first few ones were, and then and then I had an interview. And um, the guest didn't swear, but I, I threw in a couple of, like, uh, dams or hells. And I was like, I don't know if that counts, but I'm going to click off the box. Right, yeah, just to be... And then I had a couple of clean episodes. I'm like, ooh, I don't have to uh, check it for this there one. We go. 
Yeah. So, so you're home, and it's like it kind of feels. Yeah, I guess it's hard to go home. Yeah. Too. We go home for different reasons, right? It's either to visit or it's to stay, and those have their own, you know, different reasons too. So. Yeah. And for me, I ended up back this way because I wanted to work on myself. I wanted to take care of myself better. I kind of got to a point where I knew that I really wasn't. Um, so, yeah, I moved back here where my parents are to do that. And are you so, and we'll get into that more, yeah. but is, so far has it been a good decision? Yeah, I, I think it was the only decision that I could make, honestly. I think that everything else would have just been following the path that I had been, which is um, not overly like it wasn't my intent to put things behind me and not deal with them or cover them up it's just you know we'll get into it but that's a part of um the methods part of the coping methods that I kind of became familiar with because I am as much as I don't think of it I am really independent in a lot of things um that Mm -hmm. being said asking for help for certain things was a challenge and there's a lot of stigma um you know we'll get into a lot of things but there's a lot of um boundaries that people put on things before my time um so now I'm just kind of dealing with dismantling some things as much as I'm working on uh building back up what do you mean by that boundaries so when I when I spoke about that I kind of meant like with the stigmas of like uh, moving back home with your parents, for instance. I mean, right. that's that's one of those things that people tend to look down on. Not everybody, but it's pretty common to, you know, I'm 29. I turned 30. I sure. turned 30 this May. Um, a lot of people uh, might not recognize that as normal, and it's because people aren't talking about it. There's a lot of people that are my age that are are successful and they're doing things their own way. I don't see myself as not successful, but I know that I'm dealing with a lot of things that being on my own would only make it worse. So I do as much as I can on my own, but I'm at a point where I've pushed away help and assistance so much that it's, it's just, I need it now. uh, Right. Well, and it's a cultural thing too. I can see what you mean. I can definitely see how in... It is. Here, like the American culture, you know, it's like, oh, you're going back home with your parents. Like, yeah, like a little step backwards. I've done it. Most people have done it, I think. You know, I mean, I think if you look up the statistics, most people have had to do it at some point. You know, there was a period of time where for whatever reason, you wind up back home. But then you look at, um, you know, like in Mexico or other countries. I mean, until you get married, you're at home, yeah. you know, unless and if you move out, it's like big, big deal kind of thing or it's becoming more common. But it I really mean, is a cultural thing. And looking at other cultures has helped me to be like, yeah, this is such a our society. I, I can't be so hard on myself, even though yeah. things feel that way. Yeah. Did you leave home at when? How old were you when you left home? Um, I was I was seventeen. I went down to Pittsburgh uh, to go to school. Uh-huh. I went to at the time it was called Pittsburgh Technical Institute. It was kind of like a, a trade school. Um, now it's called Pittsburgh Technical College, I believe. So it's like writing mm-hmm. that down, and it's like that's not even a real thing anymore. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was down in Pittsburgh for quite a few years, and that was like starting at 17. And there you studied first. Well, let me go back. How would you describe yourself right now, like career-wise? Because you're so you you have all these crazy skills. I want you to do it. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I I struggle with this, and it's actually something that like. I, I heavily look into the business side of art. It is it is crucial for all of us as creators, as artists, and it's the biggest thing that we overlook. And it's why we struggle in so many areas, um, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. So I've struggled. I've I've tackled and struggled with what my title, what my uh, elevator pitch is, and it's changed. It's evolved so much since when I first knew about what I wanted to. that concept of the elevator pitch like eight years ago um Mm -hmm. I would say now I most identify with like I'm an illustrator I'm an artist but I also I work with so much multimedia it's funny because people don't Mm -hmm. like the word multimedia and I get it it's a very broad general statement but like when you work with video editing Multi- yeah, when you work with multi multimedia I mean I, I work with graphic design right I work with motion graphics I work with video editing I am an illustrator I am a designer um, I, I work with a little bit of everything so multimedia yeah. artist is kind of like around there but I've also put a lot of my time into um, social justice like advocacy as much as like mental health which is you know it's just the shift of how the waters have gone um art will always be my priority but there's so many things that that can tie into that i'm just fortunate that art is my priority um i know that was a long statement for a no but hopefully that helps you know yeah and so how much of uh what they taught you at school mm-hmm. is what you like how how much of your because I'm just so amazed you have so many different kind of styles that you know how to do and I'll look at the videos that you edit I'm like wow that's so cool and then I'll look at the <laughs> the illustrations and you have you you can really do like different styles and they all come out so great and how how much of that did you learn at school I, I kind of just fell into the whole school is what you do right, I, right. and it's funny because I'm such a I'm it such is. a anti-establishment <laughs> punk at times, but you need you need structure. I know that you need structure in ways, and you need guidelines. So I just I kind of fell into the standard of like I got done with with high school. I guess I go to college now. Like I hated high school. Why was that my default? Because it was it was what I was you know kind of told. It was what people knew. <laughs> um, but if I was being honest, I would say what I learned most from school, which <laughs> did not you know the the price tag did not justify it um it was it was more of a transition into the real world uh yeah but that being said it was because I met people that were kind of shitty and that were doing the same thing as me so it was kind of like an awakening that like just because someone's into the same things you are does not mean that you're going to connect on levels that you think you know Mm -hmm. we're all humans Mm -hmm. um I had a lot of yeah, you know what? The price did not justify my experience. I'm not. I'm gonna be real quick and say my experience is my own. If someone wants to go to school and they feel that it works best for them, you know, props to them. But for me, uh, I had a lot of 
experiences that not only just felt like they set me back, but did not help my mental health status and probably put me further into kind of hiding things and, and pushing things down to just get the work done. You know, that's, that's, right. that's really the goal of school is like, here are your projects, here's your assignments. If you don't get them done, what's your problem? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So it's like, nobody's asking like, you did this work, but you did it the night before. Why? You know what I mean? And, and maybe that's asking too much, but I don't really think it is. It's just how our society is set up. Because mind you, as much as I struggled with all that, and I don't think I gained as much like as, you know, from what your original question was, techniques and maybe art abilities, I didn't really gain that much from, from college. No. I watched a lot of YouTube uh, tutorials. I watched, right. I was telling my teachers that like, why aren't we using Vimeo? Why are we, why uh-huh. are we learning code to embed videos on websites when Vimeo is giving us a code to just plug in, you know what I mean? Like, why am I telling you this? Um, right. Th- Isn't that frustrating? Things like that, yeah, yeah. And, and it's just because professors and teachers get stuck in their old ways, right? You know? Right. Which is f- fair to an extent, but, like, technology is not stopping, right? Uh, I just wanted to add, though, even though my college experience was a certain way and... And I feel like I did a lot of the learning, like I said, through tutorials and pushing outside of school to like pick up ideas and techniques. Um, there was always this thing, and I, I'll probably touch back to it, but you know, our teachers were always like, you guys procrastinate, you guys take so long, and then you, you try to hustle through the work. And, and I have this big right. thing where it's like, you know, I believe that there is true procrastination where we're, we're pushing things away for for whatever reason because they're they're challenging and we don't want to do something that's challenging like the the general form of procrastination right right i think that there's things that are holding me back and i don't want to say that as like a crutch but there's days when i'm like why am i like this and we'll touch into that with like the mental health stuff but all mm-hmm. of that being said with the commentary from the teachers like you guys, if you guys could just do the work that you do in those last minute crunch hours in, in the whole weeks or whatever, you know, trying to tell us not to procrastinate. Well, <laughs> I did my final, final project, like the week it was due, our graduation, blah, blah, blah. And I won best in show. <laughs> so, <Right>. so, so <laughs> again, I'm not trying to crutch on procrastination, but like yeah. part of me doesn't want to be that way. And, and you know right. what, I'm doing the best I can to not be that way. So I have to touch into like, there's, there's part of me that's like, where is the mental health, the mental, you know, illness discussions about some of these things? It's always like procrastination mm-hmm. is just like, you don't want to do it. The challenges are what you kind of like, you'd rather do something easier and all that's fair. But there is a point where it's like, I don't want to be this way. I want to do the work and get it done now what is that factor? And that's just something that I'm kind of personally exploring. Well, and at first when you were saying about the procrastination, the first thing that came into my mind was how uh, we go to college so young and we're just not mature and we're just, you know, we're just kind of like so much of your time is just growing up and and being (laughs) like learning how to be independent. But then I was thinking it's like, we still all procrastinate. You don't do any. You still don't do your taxes until like April fourteenth. You still don't do, 
you know, it's like, it's like whatever the deadline is, you work backwards. Or I could say, oh, it takes me a whole week to do this. But no, it's really five days of me going, I really should do that. And then, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and then like two days of head down, you know. Yeah, like what are, what, cranking what it are out. the layers that have kind of come before that kind of build that mentality? You know what I mean? Like, Right. And I'm, and again, I'm kind of more dwelling on it because of my own personal experience, but it does right. fascinate me where it's like, I don't want to be this way. I don't, I don't like this. I see the negative sides of it all the time, but there's still a part of me that's like overwhelmed. Um, it just feels like there's so much. And that again, I'll, we will, we can touch into when we get more into like mental health, but but it's not so much procrastination, like, I'll do this at another time. It's just like, I'm going to go lay down because I'm, I'm just burnt out. And then it ends up, yeah. and then procrastination becomes the the focus. Like the anxiety yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Is, is kind of, yeah, creating a... Yeah, so that's that's interesting to me, and I'd, I'd like to kind of go further down those rabbit holes. Well, let's, yeah. As I started kind of looking at all your stuff that you've got online, I mean, this has been like at least I'd say a year of you like starting to like publicly say I got to take a step back I got to focus on my mental health like I you know need to focus on myself and really trying to be open with what you're going through yeah so that's kind of been a big part of where you're at lately yeah right yeah it it really it actually is um, you know, I've been doing a lot of this work my whole life in different ways, but like a year is really the anniversary of like a lot of things. Um, I was in New York city, uh, me and my, my partner, um, had split up and that was, that was a big part of it too, because I was starting to recognize I, I, at that point I was not diagnosed, um, it was a lot of just like, I know I have a lot of issues that I need to work on, um, but I don't have an official diagnosis. But I was starting to tell myself, like, I have a mental illness. This is, this mm-hmm. is the, that was the first time saying that, um, even though I wasn't diagnosed, which again, I, I, I say that multiple times because it's, it's not good for people with respects to what I'm saying, it's not good to self-diagnose, um, and hold on to just that, you know, if you feel like you have problems and, you know, you're self-diagnosing yourself, the best thing you can do next is to look for professional help to either dismiss that or help you understand what's really going on and find some answers and solutions. So I just want to say that real quick, but I'm not a medical professional by any means. I do advocate for mental health, but I'm going to say things that are in and out, um, Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, a year has passed since a lot of that of just kind of really recognizing, not fully understanding at all, but recognizing like, you know what, even, even like, this is going to sound maybe strange at first, but like wearing glasses, I've worn glasses my whole life, um, since first grade. And mm-hmm. if I don't have my glasses, I am technically blind. I can't see, um, if my glasses were to fall off, if I didn't have my glasses, I am blind. I don't say that I'm disabled, but if I don't have my glasses, I am disabled. Um, so it's something that I don't really identify with, but it, it's like, again, like a year ago, I started like dismantling a lot of these things and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to label myself to be a label, 
but these labels are ways to kind of like understand and figure out like what's the next step. So yeah, it's just a lot of understanding myself and coming to terms with, I probably have depression and it is what has been affecting me my whole life. And were you going to therapy at that point in New York? I, I, I wasn't. No. Um, I, Jesus, finding a therapist in New York. Um, it, it was it was so layered and complicated. I, I think the first step for me was just understanding that I wasn't able to give my partner what, what she needed and, and she wasn't able to give me what I needed. And that took a long that took a long time because um, I didn't know we were gonna get into relationship advice. But it's it's all it's all really it's important. It's all connected because we don't have these in our society, we don't learn these things, right? We don't learn how to overcome loss, right? And and that's what this mm-hmm. that's building up to is like a relationship breaking up is a loss, right? So you hear people say like, oh, you can work through it. And, you know, there's always going to be hard times. It's like, yeah, that's, there's a, there's a respect to that. But there is also a point where when you're communicating and things aren't being heard and they're communicating and things aren't being heard and and then you have to look at yourself and reflect and just kind of say like I'm really not giving myself any time um and what I mean is I'm not respecting myself to know that I need to work on myself and the way that this environment is set up it it's not going to be a way that I can do that progressively for me in my instance, because I cared very much about my partner, but at the same time I felt like I was holding them back because I wasn't able Mm -hmm. to deal with what I needed to. Um, And that took a lot of, you know, breaking down some barriers of my own. Uh, I struggle with loneliness and that's, that's a, for me, that's a big difference than being alone because I've always felt alone uh, in many ways in my life, but it never it never hurt me. I, I like doing things on my own. The loneliness is when you get hit with those feelings and you don't want that. Um, you don't want to be alone. And then it starts to feel darker and it starts to feel like it's always going to be that way. It kind of comes in, in waves right. for me. I find that even when, if I'm like sick or something, you know, like if I have a cold or I've injured myself or something and I'm just like in a lot of pain or discomfort or anything like that, in those moments, it's so easy to feel like this is my life forever and yeah. <laughs> there's never going to be sunshine again. And, you know, it's like really... It, you know, you're just in that moment and it's so hard to, to kind of be like, this is going to pass. Yeah. And, yeah. You know. and that's, and that kind of touches on it too, with like feelings of, of depression and feelings of like, not just being down, but like depressed where when you're in that, it really does. It feels like this is my life. This is forever. I don't see an ending. It's like a long tunnel. You just see <laughs> the ending and, and the more you try to like work towards it, the walls themselves are intimidating for whatever reason. So going down that tunnel just seems harder itself. So you kind of, uh-huh. you kind of, you know, deal with it that way, I guess. Was there a single moment that basically brought you to say, I'm leaving, I'm leaving the city, I'm going home. This is it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was a single moment. And that's why I go back to like people telling you like, oh, you know, there's always challenges in relationships and you'll face them. It's like, yeah, I mean, 
but how many times am I going to get hit by these feelings where it's like, that feels really shitty and I don't feel like I'm getting heard or I don't feel like this person mm-hmm. has the capacity to help me, which is is fair. That's so hard to, to put that on people and not that that's what my intent was, but I was already so far needing help. Um, you know, like you brought up finding, did I have a therapist in New York City? It's like, I had a hard time finding a dentist. Um, so right. like someone that I could trust to talk about things that I've never talked about with someone else was like, that wasn't even in my, just being in New York City being like, I need help and I'm scared uh, was, right. was a hard thing to come to. Well, you mentioned, so you go online by the name Melanoso, right? Did you want to go into that at all? Because you mentioned to me that that has that has a connection. So um, I'll break down the the Oso part first, I guess. I know, I guess it's, it's just easier to go with Melon. Melon came from my brother when I was really little. Um, it was a nickname I've always had, probably when I was four or five. Um, when I was really little, I used to have a lot of hair. You know, it grew, it grew very quickly. Um, so I'd have like a mullet. <laughs> I'd have like this, this helmet of hair. And so my brother would call me Melon because I had like a big head. <laughs> because of <laughs> because of said hair, and then I also I like to swim a lot, so he called me a watermelon, um, which ties into the bear aspect too. Um, so that's essentially where melon comes from. It's just always something I identified with. I guess it actually helps me feel closer to my brother a little bit. Like I don't acknowledge that, but he's the one that I feel like deemed me <laughs> this nickname. And everybody, you know, I feel like a lot of people want nicknames, but nobody wants a shitty nickname, right? <laughs> so I was, I was pretty happy with that. I was like, Does, doesn't bother me. And I was a fat kid growing up, right? But it came from my brother, and so I never tied it to that. Whereas other people, uh-huh. you know, I got older, and they might have thought like, oh, is it because you were heavy? I was like, no, that's, that's um, not it at all, actually. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so that's where the melon uh, aspect comes from. Also, my last name, it kind of fits with Olson. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> O-L-S-O-N, me just being goofy uh-huh. and cryptic. I like bear, oso meaning bear in Spanish. You drop a few letters from my last name and you right. have O-S-O in there. Bear has always... I actually identified with bear before I did melon. Um, that was a self, a self thing. Um, this... The way that this dips into like the mental health stuff is when I was really little, I want to say, I can see it. I can see it. I'm pretending like I don't know. My brain is so goofy sometimes. Um, I can see the hallway. I was in, I was five or six, so it must have been like what, kindergarten or first grade. But I -hmm. I can see the direction we were walking down the hall, so I think it was kindergarten. Um, And I remember telling kids that I was adopted by polar bears in the in the zoo and and the reason for that was like I said I like to swim a lot and and I was a fat kid growing up and because I was fat I could swim in really cold water and I didn't care um you know I had that I had that insulation um other people you know didn't really care for that and so I would always just kind of be down to swim when others might not be so I think I mentally was like prepping myself and so I 
told myself this story about being adopted by polar bears to other people, other kids, to just kind of like build a an armor almost to be like, because right. I didn't want to be made fun of for being fat. Like that shit sucked. Um, so yeah. And were they? Were kids making fun of you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I can't like think of specifics at that age, but I was right. prepping for it. So, I mean, I was yeah. definitely, and it might not have just been kids. I mean, there's, you know, I want to say loosely family members, friends of family, just little things. Like people mm. also make comments that they think are like passing yep. and they're just like actually really shitty because <laughs> you're, you're a yeah. kid and you don't have the the capacity to understand a joke as much as like this person is shitty and just don't listen to them. But yeah, it, it was a way to protect myself, a way to like build my story the way I wanted to, as opposed to like just being fat and people being like, that's a fat kid. <laughs> so, so yeah. Right. Adopted by polar bears. I was like, <laughs> I was, I was, I was like, we're going to layer this shit. I don't even think I'd seen polar bears physically in in a in sure. a zoo in but I was just like that's my story I'm sticking to it that's right oh yeah there's some layers there too you know what I mean like a kid that's doing that it's like what's going on <laughs> what's going on bud <laughs> that's that's tricky though because that oh, age course. I mean I've heard kids I've I've heard kids say that you know they're a fire engine absolutely you know, it's yes like... exactly exactly and that's the thing too as adults we we can we can overanalyze kids so much and it's and it's not fair, but you know, me obviously having <laughs> bias and looking back on the situation, it's like little right. Jake, what's, what's really going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who, what do we need to talk about, buddy? <laughs> and I guess kids were kind of cruel. I, my kids have been, I don't know if it's our school or what, but I think the other kids are just normally pretty nice like there's just or because like bullying is like a thing that they teach now about not being a bully and it's a little more strict whereas I think before it's like ah kids will be kids right. you know and and but it depends on age we just too haven't though right seen that yeah because yeah, I've got already eight and ten year olds and we just haven't seen a lot of that or not that I know you yeah. know who knows what they don't tell you and stuff <laughs> right. but yeah. yeah you know because I look back and I'm like why didn't I tell anybody about that? You know, that's, yeah. that's like, yeah. uh, but just about the glasses thing that I wanted to touch on that person, that person that's like, I can do this on my own. I don't need whatever. I mean, just at that young age in like first grade, I figured out that I needed glasses because I couldn't see the board well. And I liked sitting in the back and, and I didn't think to like tell anyone. I wasn't like, Oh my, my <laughs> eyes are going bad. I should tell someone the reason that people found out that I needed glasses is because I grabbed my dad's like old military binoculars and I was like sitting in the back. <laughs> I was sitting in the back of the class with these binoculars, just looking at the board and the teacher's like, what's going on? And I was like, I'm just, I'm just reading the board. <laughs> I was like, I was taking care of shit, you know, like I was, <laughs> I was taking things into my hands, but you know, let's move you don't know at that age either it's like i think i need an eye yeah. doctor no you don't know i mean but yeah. i have i have members of my family with glasses and shit like right i, I was just like don't worry about me what am i six seven it's fine I, i'm good That's i got so binoculars funny. i think it's funny because like i can recognize that part where it was like i was very 
good to go. Like the fear factor, those things, right. those came later, you know, those things were there, but, but as kids we're, we are really a lot more fearless and we're a lot more just like, I got this. So what would be like an example of the fear that you think if it were now that that would be, would it be? I think I know what you're, you're saying. And, and a lot of it's like what we describe as like anxiety now, right? It's, it's overthinking. It's, it's dwelling on things in the past. It's, I think that we're so fresh and young at that, you know, that age of like discovering and exploring that we don't really care about messing up and we, we make mistakes and we, Jesus, we're like rubber, right? We fall off something, we get scraped up and we just keep going. We're, we're now, you know, for myself and for plenty of people, like when we get older, it's like the thing that we focus on is the fear. We, we might not think of it as fear, but we might choose one direction as opposed to another because it seems not as hard. Um, not all of us are afraid of challenges, but we also have to recognize that like going through the hard things helps us build. And as adults, we have a lot of fear and a lot of other ideas that have kind of been like installed into us that might start becoming like a factor and a barrier to to just get started even, you know? Right. So how do you think, so I wonder, I hope I'm saying all of this right. (laughs) So something that's helped me and I don't have, you know, I don't think I necessarily have anything that would ever be diagnosed or anything like that, but I can certainly connect with the idea of anxiety and and um, certain situations. So a lot of this that that it has been that people are being more open about mental health and trying to take away the stigmas and talking about openly about anxiety and it's helped me kind of recognize some things within myself. So I mentioned this, I think in uh, the Tia Loving's interview about how I read an article uh, several years ago about like phone anxiety and about this kind of fear of getting on the phone and I I just I totally connected with it and I I still for example I had to call and deal with something for my contacts and I must have put it off for like two weeks because I'm like I don't know why you know what I mean like I'm just like what what and I have to kind of uh it's not anything debilitating but definitely adds to the whole procrastination thing so I'll put it off, put it off, and then I've kind of learned over the years. I take a strategy of if it's not dangerous, like you're just scared and you just need to kind of push past it and and that'll uh, – so then I'll say, okay, whatever. You know, it's like they're there to serve you. You know, you can call their office and ask the question, but it's the whole – it probably wouldn't do it for scheduling an appointment, but because I needed something special, you know, that um, – that I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get the right person or if I'm going <laughs> to... All these questions, these random... Uh, yeah, I guess where I was going with that is, okay, so that's my level, right? Of of I can, uh, I'm feeling it and now that I've kind of learned, I can identify it and I can kind of... And it's not that hard of a step for me to make myself push past right. it. But do you feel like, for example, what you feel gets uh more severe and more difficult to get to that step to to I guess get past it or or to be able to do that thing that's causing 
that really just the idea I, I'm imagining the idea of it it's what is what's causing the anxiety right right yeah no I, I follow you um I was gonna say even even as you were describing like the eye appointment or the eye um order and then you brought up even appointment yeah. um I'm thinking shit going calling to order a pizza um <laughs> I mean yeah. things like that where it's like yeah you're calling because it's a business and like they're there to serve you but I, I still, I would get anxiety. I don't, I think that there, for me, there's things tied up in that that have to do with um, my past, which is also like, I would answer the phone and not be great at writing down messages. So my dad would get so frustrated, like, and be like, if you're not going to answer the phone and write down messages you're not allowed to answer the phone i'd be like yes that's what i need that's you and then then he'd get mad because i wouldn't answer the phone i'm like right right i needed to talk to you i mean but not even that like being at home and like why aren't you answering the phone i was like you told me that i'm not great at keeping messages so so i held on to that and i'm not gonna answer the phone but yeah i mean that factor of um it is it's it's for me the anxious feeling starts to build up and then it's just like, I, I can't, I can't put logic behind it always because there's not always like those right. questions or, or those things that are like, what if this happens or what if that happens? It's just like, I feel my heart in my chest. It's, it's unidentifiable for me. It feels like there's a little bit of chaos for some reason that's stirring up and it doesn't make sense. And that alone makes me feel anxious the funny thing is like I go back to the ordering pizza thing even that is kind of like you know now it's it's not whatever but like when I was in in those moments of feeling so anxious and feeling so like out of it um I would still be able to do that because like when I was with my partner I would still be like all right I'll call I'll be the one that does all this because they also felt that way and they would get a little you know um they, they don't have the same things going on with them that I did, but they'd get, you know, the anxious feeling of like calling for pizza, which is funny because they were a lot better at making phone calls than I was for other things. Um, right. But I feel like that need to help someone else kind of got me over it. And then also it's like, I'm trying to put mm-hmm. food in my stomach. So like the need for it is, sure. yeah, starving. yeah. Plus. So then like when you get into things like ordering contacts or like medical things, then it's like. Right. What if I talk to the wrong person, like he's kind of said, and and then that kind of comes up. So I bring up the pizza thing because there's a lot less logic, right? You know, right, but, right. But like the medical stuff, it's like then you're thinking about your your health, you're thinking about your well being. Uh, you might be focusing on things that don't really matter, but overall, you're just thinking like I'm trying to help myself, but I have to communicate with other people to do it, and therefore there's all these other factors that you start to like weigh in and out. Does that make Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, yeah. God, just talking about this, it's like I can think of like 10 examples in the last week where I'm just like, uh, I don't want yeah. to do that. And that. And that's kind of part of it too. And that's why I was really excited to talk to you because I'm down to talk about some shit that it feels like, am I the only person that's like this? And I know that's not, that's mm-hmm. not true. I mean, I'm going to have some things that are to my individual experience, but you know, everybody has anxiety. That's a natural thing. When it gets to a point of right. being debilitating, when it gets to a point of like not functioning and not being able to just be getting human things done, you know, like eating, moving, <laughs> like taking care of your hygiene, like those things start to fall right. into the area where it's like, okay, 
there's something more going on and and we need to like figure that out and work on that um hopefully that yeah right so you've been going to therapy now that you're back is that a new thing or when you were younger were you were you going to therapy as well no and and kind of like I mentioned earlier I I pushed a lot of like what bothered me down um that was how I learned it It it's very unhealthy uh it's not it's not the way you deal with things but it was what I learned uh so therapy wasn't something that I even really considered until like the last couple years even putting it on my radar and then even going to therapy was a challenge because like we said with the anxiety stuff making those phone calls it was like yeah then we're really getting into an area where it's like this is where it's more it feels more tangible it doesn't feel as uh illogical it's like I'm scared I need help so I'm scared and I need help and now I'm going to call some strangers <laughs> or go to yeah. a yeah. and I have to and go, go to a there and be, yeah. see them Ugh. and I want to and I want to say that too with it it took a lot for me to even get to that point and my yeah. my mom has always been very supportive um she's always been someone uh-huh. that's listened to me even you know we've butt heads uh because we have our similarities and our differences but she's always someone that kind of like comes back and and understands a little bit better but even with her there were times when it's like why you want help why aren't you getting help and it wasn't meant to be Mm -hmm. so blunt um you know because she's Mm -hmm. she's scared she wants me to to not be scared she wants me to not be hurting Mm -hmm. but there was a point where I called and tried to get into therapy and I was just getting tossed around like getting I had this person that was supposed to be my therapist and they weren't getting back to me and then I had someone else from the office call me to tell me that they're gonna have to reschedule me because my therapist had a loss in their family I was like all right I haven't had good communication with this person and now they have a loss in their family so I don't really feel like this person's going to be able to help me at all so I fell through the cracks for a little bit with that and that was that was very discouraging so it, like it took so much of my energy and my person to to make those calls in the first place. So to to step back up to the plate and do it again, I was like that shit hurt. <laughs> and and, and yeah. A I needed time, but B it was like I don't know like I tried. Like and and yeah, we need to try more than once, but like it gets into that mental health, it gets into that well-being type of area and it gets scarier. It gets it gets confusing and you know, you have people talking that they don't know what they're talking about and you hear that more than actually hearing what than what you need to hear is it's okay to not be okay and take it one step at a time you know I think that's like the Mm -hmm. biggest thing I could come back saying now for those moments you know Mm -hmm. so you did find someone I did and it's funny because they weren't the person that I found first um was not a therapist they're not a certified therapist they are a a counselor, I guess, would be the best um, definition by default. But I really connected with them because they were, it was at a facility and it was, you know, a bunch of people doing this. It was for recovery, for people that are recovering for PTSD, recovering for 
drug abuse, recovering for all kinds of things like that. And and I connected really well with this person because they also went through uh, drug addiction and, and these other things. And, and I've had my, my instances with, with drugs. I never really got so into like an addiction mm-hmm. setting, but I will argue that addiction is a big reason why I was... Besides, besides biological and, and other factors that I was fat, you know, growing up, I was big, but there was a, there's a point where it's like, I was eating like addiction. You know, I, I can see the, Mm -hmm. I can see the correlation that I had where it's like, I'm sad and I'm going to eat a bunch of sugar. Do I really like, that's Mm -hmm. not really what I want to do, but your body does recognize that like sugar does make you feel better in a quick instance. And then it kind of numbs the pain a little bit. Like there is a numbing factor that does happen. This person, you know, I felt like I could open up to them about a lot more than a person that was just for me at the time thinking this is a therapist and I don't really know what they have in common with me. But now mm-hmm. I do have that original counselor and then I do have a therapist that I see who I'm actually going to see later today. So Oh, there'll be so much to talk <laughs> I was about. Like, Can I just play the audio and just <laughs> <laughs> Can this be our session? Well, what you might find, what I find <laughs> after these uh, interviews, and it might just be because you have to be so on, you know, for yeah. We're talking for, you know, an hour or two, and I'm, like, exhausted the rest of the day. And then sometimes, I imagine, as a guest, you start to worry a little bit, and you start to replay things that you said, and, you know, and I can can see that, and it's... um, (laughs) But that's why, yeah, I, like, I feel it. I feel you, because it's... Uh, well, it, it is. It is you go through the same and, thing. and that was my thinking before going into this is like, God, I'm not I'm really trying to to be so respectful of like your energy and your time, because this is almost like I'm not treating it. I don't have intent of treating this like therapy and like putting stuff on you. But it is the topic <laughs> that we're discussing. Um, but but yeah, yeah, I think of those days when I have therapy and I'm like, oh, what am I going to do after? Like, I have a checklist. And then when I get out of there, it's like, I'm so drained. <laughs> I'm so yeah, drained because I, I didn't know I was going to go into that. I didn't know that that was right. what was important at that moment because, you know, you sift through things and you realize like, damn, there are layers. And, and until you start getting it out there, I had this discussion last week where it's like, I've, I've, I'm a very internal person. I, a lot of people have labeled me as shy, which is not true, but I, I internalize a lot because it depends on my environment. And again, going back to, I'm used to being alone in a lot of ways. I've done a lot on my own. I've internalized so much that I would start to think like, oh, I've thought about that. I've worked through it or whatever, but until you actually vocally put it out there or even just writing it down. This matrix that we have up here, um, it's really good at like cycling through things and repeating, um, but because it's not tangible, it still can cycle and repeat and cycle and repeat. And I found it really beneficial, not only just through therapy and talking and getting things out there, uh, because it becomes almost real. It becomes almost physical, I want to say. writing things down I've been journaling like flowing just stream of consciousness like what is on my mind right now because this needs to either Mm -hmm. get out or I'll get to a place that's like that's really interesting and I wasn't 
I didn't recognize that I was thinking about that. Yeah, I've, I've learned a lot by being able to use my voice. And that's kind of the topic, too, of, like, the last year is, like, I feel like I've suppressed my voice internally um, in a lot of ways for different reasons. And I want to I wanna get more out there. Again, that's why I was so excited right. that you wanted, You're killing that you me wanted here. to talk. You're killing me because I'm like, I am dead inside. <laughs> and I... <laughs> Like, it's been, Sorry. like, I really, really lately, like, I almost, like, I feel like I gave someone advice the other day. I'm like, you just have to be a little more dead inside and not let it bother you. I love, like, I love that. Like, that's, that's what I do. I. <laughs> the, <it's, laughs> the goth, like, punk in and, me is like, yeah, I'm dead inside. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. It's like, yeah, you're really making me think because. <sighs> The thing is, like, I personally, like, there's no, there's no trauma. It's been a good life, you know, but also I'm very sensitive. I've gotten to the point where I won't watch any, anything sad or anything disturbing. Because I also have really, like, crazy dreams. And mm-hmm. so, like, it'll, like, yeah. haunt me. But I'm, like, I don't want to see, like, I'll think of a crying movie. Like, Steel Magnolias <laughs> or My Girl. Like, from a when, really, I, a really, when I was younger. A really I'm a lot older movie. than you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, those are the last. There are gonna be so many people that don't know what that. I... Is. <laughs> look it up. There's Google. We cater. We cater to the. No, no, that's fair. Look, look it up, Google. Yeah. If you if you guys don't know, <laughs> it's a free resource. But like those movies where you just like you just cry and you cry and you cry, yeah. pay it forward. I they they, they uh. Yeah. That one, have you seen No, that but I just like how you threw it in there because it's just how, that's how my brain <laughs> no, works. They showed that on the plane. They put Pay It Forward on the plane years ago and I just got off the plane and I was just like, Sobbing. I was a full wreck. And I won't do that to myself anymore, but I'm like, am I just like, it's, and you're like, you're talking about pushing it down, pushing it down. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You push that's it a, Yeah, down. yeah. We. And then it goes away. And, and it builds up somewhere else. <laughs> And you just become dead, and then it doesn't bother you. I mean, it really, I mean, that's, like, what we're taught, right? It's, like, it's so, it's so fucked up because it's, like, that's the norm, you know? Just don't show your feelings because the work has to get done. It's, like, well, I can show my feelings and do the work, and I'm not going to do the work if I don't show my feelings in some way. Uh, Like, I've... (laughs) I've done so much work in the last year sitting in front of the computer just to focus in an area. Sitting in front of the computer doing like graphics and drawing where it's like I've had tears in my eyes for whatever reason um, because I had to get the work done. And that that shit sucks (laughs) so much. It sucks to have to push through to pay bills to things that you don't even really care about. And you have mm-hmm. all this care and all these feelings that it just, it, it feels like it doesn't matter, even though it does matter. You know, it's right. the biggest thing that does matter is your feelings and you're, you know, getting to understand them better and, and work with them. Um, yeah, I got so used to, to that where it's like push forward or don't, don't let them see you be upset because they'll use it right. against you. Um, and I was always open to be open, but you open in front of the wrong people and you get the you get the responses that you get, right? Yeah. 
it is changing though yeah. and i think because like how you're doing and you're being so open public about what you know what you're thinking what you're feeling what you're going through and i think a lot of people are doing that and and you do feel it changing for me like uh there's been a couple of actresses that have been very open about the fact that they cry all the time and they'll cry at everything and that for me was thank god somebody you know because i cry like i'll watch we have the marathon run here and i'll see them running and i'm like crying watching them like i'm just like good for them like and i just like i'm just always like just so close ready to cry and i'm like and I, I told you on email, like, I've cried at every job I've ever had. And it makes people so uncomfortable. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, maybe maybe it'll become more normal to, like, cry places. And then I can do right, things, right, you right. know, like. Yeah. No, it, 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 is, it is such a thing where it's like you just can't be yourself. And you're told, like, you're, you're sensitive or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but that's okay. Like there's, there's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is forcing it down. And then maybe people see these outbursts of people and the outbursts are what people hold on to, but it's like, sure. they probably had an outburst because they've been suppressing so much and they didn't know right. how to do that. In our society, it's like, nobody likes to be uncomfortable, right? Nobody, nobody right. likes to suffer, but on the other end, it's like people don't like to see people uncomfortable in both negative and positive ways. I've been been working with like grief and the idea of like loss lately um, in the last year, you know, because that's kind of like the relationship thing and then people being in and out of my life. And then I started to get this this theme that I was telling myself and not not to dwell on, but like, I started to feel like I'm just a loser and not like, like I'm, I am a loser, but like, I just keep losing and, and I've got a lot of wins, Mm. but like, there's just, there's just these, these hits that have just been so big that they've hurt so much. And I just feel like the, the setback itself was so heavy in, in respects to what I'm dealing with. Cause you know, everybody deals with their own, uh, their own battles, but like learning to, be okay with things that are uncomfortable, being okay with not being okay um, is such a big Mm -hmm. thing. And we have a hard time with that because as humans, we kind of, like I said, we're uncomfortable with, with suffering, but we're also uncomfortable seeing others suffer. So that either means we don't want to see them or we want to try to provide unsolicited advice. So there's like really shitty options. Um, and that's right. the thing is like, we, we tend to think things as binary in a lot of ways. And we know that that's just not how life is. And, and luckily the way, you know, we're talking about people being more open and expressing their, their stories and, and, you know, things like gender, like binary never worked. It was just how our society defined things. Um, there's evidence mm-hmm. through other civilizations, through centuries that through millennia that there's just been different genders that the spectrum of gender is out there so like this idea of like it's okay to not be okay is like the ambiguous kind of in between where it's like people need to a leave you alone but you do need support and so like outsiders either want to to fix your problem or they want to avoid it and, like, the more that we can talk about these things and the more that we can, like, be open about, like, it's okay to not be okay, 
I think that we can get to a ground where it's like, if someone's in pain, if someone's suffering, and you want to provide support, genuine support, um, you have to understand that grieving is not logical. And it's really chaotic, mm -hmm. and it's really messy. And as much as it's like this person needs help and they want you around, you can call and it's going to be like, why are you bothering me? And you cannot call, and it's going to be like, why do you not care? So, like, there's a point where we have to understand that, right? you know, um, we're all learning and we're all growing, but but right. not being okay is a part of it, and, and things take time. Mm -hmm. So I had written down here to ask you, so about checking in on someone that's having a hard time, what helps, what doesn't, like how I've always had a hard time with that re regardless. If it is someone that's grieving, if it is someone that's going through a hard time, it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, like I, I don't ever know what to say or do. And I don't think I'm necessary. It doesn't and probably uh, like my personality is not strong in that suit anyway. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm not. Well, that's a, that's uh, part of it too, right? I mean, we have to recognize it's draining on both parties. It's draining on the person yeah. that's grieving and it's draining on the person that's trying to provide support. Um, and, and both people need to understand, I mean, it's going to be harder for the person with grief, but the person that's supporting has to understand that, you know, they can't fix this. Um, and they have to have their boundaries because they have to keep their energy up, right? Uh, if you're working at 50%, you know, battery energy, you're not going to be able to provide the amount of care you need for yourself. So you need to focus on yourself. And mm -hmm. if you're not working on yourself and building yourself up, you're going to struggle to help others. Um, but like what you said with what is like the right thing, it's always going to be circumstance. It's always going to be depending on the person. It's always going to be depending on your relationship. I think the biggest thing that most people can kind of do and recognize is just asking, just communicating, asking like, what do you, what do you need? What can I, what can I help you with? You know, like, okay, going back to, to loss and grief, when we get hit with these really heavy moments, even, even someone that's just in a depressed state for whatever reason, when we get hit with these moments, like we said earlier, life just feels like the end, of, like you're dead. You know, there, there's a little bit of like, this is how it is. This is my, my life. Mm -hmm. Everything's dark. You feel that way, right? But life just keeps going on. Everything around you just keeps going. And you kind of feel like, A, that's shitty. Like, right? There's a shittiness that like, I feel this way. And I can see people enjoying life. I can see, I can right. see these things. And, and, and there's a factor to that where it's like you have to kind of come back to yourself and, and just be in pain. Just be in the moment. Um, not in the depressed stuff, you know, like we're trying to work away from that. But like in the grief, it's like you want to, you have to work through it. So being someone that's like a supporter, it's like what can you do to help this person be feeling human again? Be, be feeling like they're, they're able to just be in that pain but not worry about tasks so like offering offering to get someone food offering to like maybe walk the dog um from a standpoint of communication just saying what do you need are you looking for solutions are you looking for answers 
or do you need me just to be empathetic and just to listen to you? And I think that's right. the biggest thing is because, you know, like I said, we want to we wanna mm-hmm. help or we want to push advice on people. And when you're in such pain, again, it's not like a logical thing. So like those things right. later on might really be beneficial and helpful. But like when you're in pain and you just feel pain, somebody trying to put a Band-Aid on you and telling you like cheer up or things like that is like actually worse and, and kind of it's selfish yeah. in a way too, you know? So it's chaotic and it's not pretty. And we try to make so many mm-hmm. things pretty and they're not all right. that way, you know? I mean, that all makes sense. And and then something else, see, it's it's funny because I don't see like a lot of the exposure that I have with people that are um, kind of, like even on Twitter, sometimes you'll see people will just be almost like calling out for help, you know, or just they'll, they'll say something that's like really rough and it's like, oh my gosh, I don't even really know this person. Like, is there anything? I don't know what to do. I guess that's one thought. And then another is that I, this is not something I encounter a lot in my, in real life life. You know, it's something I see a lot the more artists that I work with. So it does become like a, you know, like a from afar kind of thing. And I do, I I feel like a little helpless or lost or not sure. You know, I feel sad that someone's going through something and I don't, you know. And I mean, the truth is that we can't help everybody. Like, and and that sounds so blunt, but it's like we don't know what that person's really going through. We don't. Yeah, it's difficult. And like you said on Twitter, you will see it a lot in spaces like that because it's not like Facebook where everybody's posting pictures of like their baby and 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 trying to like kind of like one up each other even though that's a factor. On Twitter, you'll see those shouts into the void, you know. I I'll sh- I'll shout mm-hmm. into the void about being lonely and and over time because of the other stuff that I do. I've gained some people that uh, communicate with me and interact with me and they, they might interact with those posts. But for me, I know when I throw those things out there, there's a, a lot of people that might see it and be like, I don't even want to touch this. Um, and I try not to make mm-hmm. it so deep or heavy, but like, I'll be honest if I'm like really feeling shitty and just kind of like, I, I wish someone was around to kind of talk to, but at the same point, like when I'm posting it for me, I know that I am okay even though there's a lot of internal voices or things that are maybe trying to remind me in some way that I'm not okay. But, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, you do, you see that on Twitter and, and, and it's funny because it gets turned around where like people try to treat like attention grabbing as like a negative thing. It's like, if someone needs attention, then why is that the problem? Um, they probably, they probably need attention for a reason. And I'm not saying like everyone needs to like, now focus on these people that are like attention grabbers but I will kind of come back and say like if someone is reaching for attention or they're posting things like that a lot um it does say that like they are looking for help in some in some respects you know what I mean um again we can't drain ourselves and try to overthink and analyze things that we don't understand but there is something to be said about that right that you do see it on Twitter and it is, and it is a thing. Yeah. And with artists too. I mean, that's a big thing. We're, 
we most of us have a sensitive factor that's why i think we become artists because we feel something right we're Mm. into some part of our emotions some more than others but i do think that there's an overlap like why art and those processes of creation and connections with emotions like why those things all interchange and interweave and why in many cases we find artists that are dealing with you know things like depression or some type of you know struggle with mental health or mental illness mm-hmm. yeah it's that's tough one of the things that you talked about, I saw you mention was, you know, part of taking care of yourself is avoiding burnout. And uh, and I immediately, so one of the times that we kind of worked together was the hot button for hit record. And you did that animation um, for us. It was like the Kim Jong-un and, and Donald Trump is like a nuclear showdown kind of thing. And I know it was so much and you said later you're like this was like way beyond my like (laughs) it was was so far out of my like my toolbox and I was just thinking oh my god I wonder if we broke him and um (laughs) because the hot button itself and specifically that episode so I worked on two the Korea and then the education and the education was my second one so now I was a little bit that was probably one of the most stressful things I've ever yeah. done. And there was a, a, you know, we were trying to create an episode uh, within a week. And just the, it, it was so much. Like, I had to drop everything else in my life, basically, in order to to make that yeah. happen. And um, it was, like, I sometimes think about it and my heart will, like, race. Like, I, it was very, like, it. You yeah. know, it made a mark. It left it a mark. Because it takes you back, right? You know? You, you think about that, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I didn't know if there was anything specific <laughs> to that, or even if you just want to talk about burnout. Um, yeah. No, y'all didn't break me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a lot, and it wasn't... But I put it on myself. So I was... I was if mm-hmm. I did burn out after that, I, I burnt myself out. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I... I dedicated a lot of time to hit record, especially at that time, because it, you know, I didn't have therapy, right? That was my, that was my Uh form of therapy as much as it was, I was going in and out of employment. I was unemployed and then employed through different people in New York City and I did freelance. Uh, so I found I found time and I found space to to put into hit record. So like when the hot button was going on, it was just the timing was was good. I still had the right. the looming of like I have bills I need to pay and I'm getting by little by little, um, and I know that this isn't gonna pay at the time. Mm-hmm. But I did know I I guess for me, the benefit of getting my work out there and seen and just working and actually collaborating like we talk about that on the site all the time, but there's a form of collaboration that you really want to do. And, and for me, mm-hmm. that was like, I'm, I'm just going to push myself. I didn't, I never felt like I was for, I mean, I wasn't forced to do anything. And if I created mm-hmm. my own tension, it was through my own, um, it was through my own creation. Not Nosy Podcast is brought to you by 
Plotting Your Novel with the Plot Clock, a new book by Joyce Sweeney, Jamie Morris, and Tia Lovings. You might remember Tia from episode two of this podcast, and she mentioned this was something she was working on, and I'm so happy to be able to share this with you. This book is great for both established and aspiring writers. The three authors each play a role in teaching you this method. Joyce will lead you through the plot clock structure, the beats, the plot points, everything that times the major events in your story. Jamie guides you through the layers that fall between those beats, and Tia takes you through her journey with a specific example of how she applied these elements to her short story. The book contains templates and a Q&A section. It's an easy read, but a methodology you'll want to use again and again. So get the ebook or paperback on Amazon. It's plotting your novel with the plot clock. Toxic positivity the cult of positivity. That's why I kind of went into that grieving stuff because my, my, I was surrounded by hippies and shit like that when I was growing up. And, and I, and it was like a part of like hearing all this positive bullshit, but it's that idea where it's like, if you just, you tell people to cheer up and they're going to feel better. But it's like, if you're really suffering, like grieving and shit, I want to punch you in the face with half the shit that you're going to tell me because you don't, you're not actually caring about what's going on. You're just trying to make yourself feel better because you want to help me or you want me to feel better so you don't have mm-hmm. to see it. Yeah, about that. It's like we are kind of in this time now where it's like, I want my kids to be happy all the time. And I had to read something where they were like, that's not the only emotion. You can't feel like that all the time, you know? And it was like a reminder to me to like create a space where, I don't know, if they get upset, I'm always like, okay, let's just get over it and move on with our life, you know? Or it's like, okay, like, it's okay to be upset, you know? And I have to... I think the you know, I'm not a parent. So, of course, I'm going to have my own bias from being the outsider. Um, but I, I've always been a detailed observer I guess Mm -hmm. so that being said I think we forget that that kids also have a capacity right like our capacities have grown and stretched as much as our life but like kids capacity Mm -hmm. when they start getting in a certain in a certain respects like agitated and, and and acting out and it's like they're they're probably experiencing burnout I get analysis paralysis because I'm thinking about so much and then I'm researching so much. I tried really hard not to feel that and get that uh, prepping for this episode because I wanted to really prepare because again, I'm internal. So I internalize things and then now I'm supposed to speak about them. It's like, shit, I didn't actually prepare. So like, Um, I, I did a lot of, you know, diving back into research and I did a lot of note taking and I just did my best not to do it in a way that was going to weigh me down because I was thinking about too much. But like when Mm -hmm. we come to kids, it's like they're, everything is fucking new to them. Everything is exploring, (laughs) exploring something that's like, I didn't know that was real. I didn't know that that was wrong. I didn't know that that's what I'm supposed to do. So like shit when I find something new out in a day it's like that day was probably exhausting because like I'm like excited and like flabbergasted that I didn't even know what this was or you know it's caught my attention that my energy is caught up in it you know just like kids Mm -hmm. they need a they need breaks they need stress relievers right and Mm -hmm. and I think that's a factor too with like Again, I don't see the school system as close as I used to, but my mom has always been a teacher and in the school system, so I get little 
little bits of it, but like in what I've seen, you know, they the taking away like recess time and adding it in other places or you know, these things that are like actually helping with stress, these things that are getting kids yeah. active and using their brains in ways that aren't just like logical and using their brains in creative ways and their bodies in physical ways. It's like, that's how you get rid of stress. That's how you alleviate mm-hmm. that. And like, they just go to school and they just get like fed all kinds of shit that's stressful because it's inform- it's just information and it's just, you know, right. all your all your senses are caught up in like remembering things and it's like well shit like when do I get to just enjoy the day so I can only imagine like for kids oh god and there's no time yeah there's no time and it's hard and it's like you don't even know whose fault it is because (laughs) I've I've worked I've worked you know with the schools you know as like pretty pretty involved from a parent side but like pretty deep in there just the pressures that they're all under it's like okay well there's a new requirement from the state and you have to have this and it's like you have however many minutes in the day and more things more minutes of things that you have to accomplish than the minutes you have in your day and it's like how you know something's got to give and and it's and also now the parents have like petitioned and now recess is required but how can like there's no and (laughs) it's so complicated and it's like it's it's an impossible task and yeah there's there's politics to everything and like kids are the ones that suffer because we're we're the ones that are debating all the politics but it's like well fucking let them go outside and play while you guys figure this shit out you know what i mean like like your school things are so important but like at the same time these kids aren't even getting time to be kids like i think that i think that the idea like you're at school and like you're not it's not your time to be a kid is like it's not said but it's like that's what it feels like you know like this is an institute and you will get work done here the play the play thing is your reward and it's like I'm a kid like the play thing is my life you know like I feel like that's that's where we're really like letting kids down it's just like you can learn better when you're not all balled up and and confused and and thinking like I need to remember this shit but I also have all this energy and all these feelings as a kid that like are not being you know dealt with or expressed or just let out you know just letting things out we kind of like sit in your chair and do your work (laughs) and then why Mm -hmm. are you tapping your foot so much (laughs) you know things like that that's another one where I'm like push it down it's okay we'll just (laughs) Do push, it. push it down it's and move fine. forward it's programming right it takes uh, a lot it takes a lot to dismantle it and and to to really do that it's like you have to again you have to become uncomfortable uh you have to learn how to get through things that feel uncomfortable to just like get to a point of getting things fixed you know to, yeah. to work out problems it's like we can't just talk about them because we know that talking about them we start to see like oh that's problematic and that's hard it's like yeah but we have to get through that shit in order to like find any solutions like do active activism is exhausting right right yeah, yeah. it's like i've kind of learned because i get i get involved you know i've always got something going on but actually in the last year or two like i was i was always like trying to be so involved and create so much change it was just it would ruin the rest of my life you know it was like now there's no time 
you know, now the house is a mess. There's no food to eat because I'm um, making the world a better place, you know. And so then I have to step back and be like. Now you're, now you're hitting um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's chiming into the activism stuff. Uh, like yeah. In, in like, you know, we talk about in the last year, that's when I've really been coming back to myself and working on myself and, and you know, recognizing I need assistance, I need help, I need therapy. Um, prior to that, that's probably where my one of my burnout factors came. To get to that realization was I was so heavily um, involved in activism years prior uh, that I... Because nothing else made sense to me. Nothing, you know, this world is fucking Mm -hmm. confusing and ridiculous um, every day. And what I kept seeing was people talking about things that I didn't care about. And then seeing people Mm -hmm. being hurt and being being ignored. Um, And and the ignored voices, of course, I'm going to I'm going to. Uh, relate to because that's how I've always felt in my life. I have a lot of privilege um, being white, being male and even through that I was still made to feel really shitty uh, growing up. It was like it didn't matter. (laughs) So like now I can recognize my privilege and I can recognize the the place that I have that society has put me but even as a kid it was like I was surrounded by white kids, but I was still made to feel really shitty because I was fat or because I was sensitive or because I was a punk or, you know. So with respects to that, not trying to compare anything, um, but that's what leads me to, to activism because I see all these voices and I see these people that they're doing so much work. They're <laughs> people of color, indigenous people, like I could, the list can go on, but just to say like those groups, like they're doing so much work and it gets overlooked. And for me, it was like, those were the voices and the people that I kept seeing because I was looking for it, recognizing that, yeah, it's, it's the way things are don't make sense. And they haven't ever really made sense in respects to like government and, and how our, our country was formed and this and that. Um, but I got so heavily involved in it that it was, it is, it's draining on the most simple levels, but I was, I was, there were times when I was putting myself out there and, you know, going to things, um, like I went to Standing Rock and some people use that as like a, a badge and like, I don't want that to sound that way. So I'm not going to comment on how other people use that, but, but, Mm -hmm. um, but for me it was like, I couldn't do anything else. I was sitting in New York City, you know, struggling to find work. But at the same time, I did have little ventures that were, you know, I got a couple bucks to pay bills here and there. But I kept seeing the shit that was happening. And I was like, nobody's talking about this. And it's like Facebook. They were really like using Facebook and Twitter heavily. Um, the resistance groups, the indigenous people, the the Lakota in the area, the all the different tribes that were coming together at Standing Rock. They were using technology the right way, but media and the way that things are are set up were doing their best to not, you know, get those things in front of people. And for me, it was just I actively was following people on Twitter. I was actively looking for things on Facebook. And it became where most of my energy went. And and that, I can definitely say, as like a burnout thing, it, it hurt me a lot in 
the burnout factor because I was already still not taking care as much of myself as I should have. But then it was like I was putting so much of my extra energy into trying to read as much as I could, trying to see how these people, anybody, you know, was getting um, oppressed and being kind of like beaten mm-hmm. down in physical and uh, emotional ways because nothing else was as important to me. Everything else just felt, you know, kind of passerby. And that's that's my own bias, but my attention went into art activism and just putting myself out there because I felt like I needed to to do something Mm -hmm. but the burnout was real and that's why things kind of like I don't like saying hit the fan but like it things hit a wall and it was like I know I can't keep doing activism this way because it's so draining and it's so it takes so much out of me but I still respect and I love these things and I want to work with it but I need to build myself back up so I can be ready right. for trolls. Be ready for standing up yeah. for myself. Having confidence in what I believe in. Believing what I'm saying. Like those things take energy and they take time and they take practice. Yeah. It's it's hard to be the kind of person that you you want to be able to be a part of change and you have that capacity, but it's but also have there's there's so much I could name so many things and now I'm a bad person because I know I should do something right. and I didn't want, yeah. Yeah. it's that it's that um, it's that it's, critical voice that we start to form that's like it, it inhibits us and it, it can drive us but it, and for a lot of us it inhibits us and puts like these pressures that like who who else is putting these pressures on us you know it's just this this internal yeah. voice that we've built uh, for different reasons right the yeah, it just, you want to keep going, and it's like, but is that the right choice? And then you start to think, like, but if I don't yeah. do that, and, no. Right, yeah, you have to make sure you're a healthy person and first, and, and if you have children, it's like you also have this big responsibility right. to raise healthy people, you know, and it's like... It's, well, even... <laughs> I'm going to cry by the end of this. <laughs> You said the thing about the kids. Yeah, and, and in respects to that, um, I couldn't I couldn't keep doing the activism stuff because it was, you know, as a focus because I was then neglecting my partner um, in ways. I was right. I was not able yep. to connect and and give them what they needed. And but that was also one of those factors where it's like, is this relationship the best thing for me? And, you know, that was, like, one of the hardest decisions for me to make. But it's, like, but my attention will always be with activism and will always be with standing behind Indigenous um, First Nations people, standing with Black people, uh, standing with people of color. Because I think that so much of our country is built on bullshit. And and, and I just, that's a Mm -hmm. factor that I've always felt. And it just got so much stronger in the last uh, few years that I was recognizing, like, my partner cares about these things and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like trying to degrade them or anything, but like their care right. is not aligned with my care and they, they do, sure. but like my level is like, I need to be out there. And so like, it's like, if you, again, not putting pressure on them, but it's like, if you can't be out there with me, it's like, that's what I'm really looking for because that's where I'm going to want support or, you know, right. th- there's a lot of layers to that and I'm kind of like really simplifying a lot of it, but but in a similar sense, it's like, if I keep carrying on this way, 
what am I neglecting and not, um, because I mean, that's the basics, right? Like you only have so much energy. You only have so much, uh, time in your day that you have to divide it up and you have to figure out where do I value my time to be the most and where can I let my time sacrifice because that's the balance. It's, it was, I'm glad you brought up the indigenous, um, I mean, my shirt I'm wearing, I'm wearing my I, Columbus is, is white trash shirt. <laughs> Columbus is white I just, trash. I designed, you designed that, that, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Little self plug. Little well, it was always interesting to me because it was, because I actually dug into it a little because I was really trying to figure out where it, where it came from. I mean, we all have our, you know, it's like our, an issue that kind of really speaks to us. And I just thought it was really interesting that this is the issue that that spoke to you because I don't think it's it's not one that I see with a lot of people you know what I mean so um I think you kind of I don't know if there's anything else you want to say on it about why it really spoke to you it's one of those things that we could talk forever in one minute or yeah in one minute or less (laughs) no but with with respects to that I do want to say like um I am I am white I am privileged I am European blood American uh, but, but I say mm-hmm. that because with respects, these are not my fights. These are my fights to support, uh, because I think that there becomes a factor where people speak over each other and, and, and white people having privilege and having focus and having the cameras usually pointed towards them for different reasons that we don't even have to get into right now. We get into a line where like, I'm, I'm talking on things that I don't fully have the right to talk on as well as don't have the uh knowledge and that being said i've tried to do as much as i can to involve myself and and learn and and research uh so when i do talk about these things i want people to know it's like i've only gained the knowledge that i have from indigenous people i've only gained the knowledge Mm -hmm. that i have from black people from movements like you know black lives matter from um standing rock from just listening to the people that are yelling and saying like we need to be listened to Mm -hmm. all that being said uh columbus is white trash (laughs) um i but but the funny thing is the funny thing is because none of it's funny um i i really do think that in in some respects like mental health mental illness and i'm gonna jump here so people might be like what the fuck but, like, I think a lot of this can be tied to, and I'm not saying specifically, like, I'm really going to throw this loosely out there, but, like, our country being established the way that it was, and then literally all that we learn is lies about that, because our country is established on racism, on slavery, on slavery, mm-hmm. on the exploitation of colored people, the exploitation of indigenous people. Our, our land itself this land this country turtle island america um this land is sick this land is disturbed it has shit being blown up it has things being extracted it has people being displaced it has people thinking they're in power when they really aren't um i think that there's a lot of like disillusionment there's a lot of uh, lies that people believe because it's how we're taught. It's our education system. So like wrap all that up and then 
you're a kid learning that and then you become an adult and then it's like where do you want to start talking about the lies that have to be dismantled for anything to make any sense so in respects to mental Mm -hmm. health for me I'm again this is all my experience and what I see and observe how am I supposed to function in a society that's broken and heal and feel better as a white person let alone when all the shit that I've been taught and told was was not true was you know these these Mm -hmm. heroes were not heroes they were racist these people were not helpful they were murderers you know what I mean like we have to just be honest about it and it's not about like it's not changing history in any way and I think that's the funny thing that people say it's like no that's what the history was you just change the wording of how it's presented to people but you know like you ask Hawaiians Hawaii is not a state it's a kingdom still it's a sovereign nation that was stolen and the U.S. just slapped a label on it much of like the treaties that all the treaties being broken for indigenous people it's like we're told that there were respects and these these things this and that and reservations are helpful it's like no those were death pits you know what i mean like they were put on these places specifically to not thrive so in mm-hmm. respects to mental health it's like there's a lot of dismantling there's a lot of social structure that that really needs to be burned down that needs to be destroyed um in order for us to build back up and it makes people uncomfortable it makes people they don't want to have these conversations and i guess for me it's like i've been uncomfortable my whole life um (laughs) i'm okay with with ruffling some feathers and being a punk i got called a punk last week like it was the like it was derogatory and it's like all you've done is given me more power. <laughs> like you've, you've, you've yeah. recognized that I am a punk. Like even I forgot about that a little bit. It's like, I am, I, I am a punk and an asshole because I've been the underdog and, and I see people being pushed down by people that aren't the underdogs that, that pretend like they're the underdogs, but they're really not. <laughs> so like, I will always cheer for the side that needs support. Um, not because I'm here to, be some superhero but because it's all that I know it's all I hear the voices that are muffled because my voice has been muffled mm-hmm. that's interesting let's talk about the art a little okay. bit more did we cover did we cover everything you think that well not everything I think we I think enough. we covered a lot um but I do want to shout out two people that I think would be helpful resources for people so did you ever watch Dinner in a Movie? Do you know what Dinner in a Movie is? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I, yeah. I grew up, like, I was, I mean, I was pretty young when I was watching it, but that was my shit. I love Dinner in a Movie, and and coming back to it now, it's funny, Paul Gilmartin was the, the male host on that show, and he has a podcast um, that I think you'd like, but then anyone that's that's dealing with mental health and mental illness kind of struggles, um, the the podcast is called mental illness happy hour okay and it's with paul gilmartin and and i've gained so much from that because it wasn't even on his show i actually was following someone else the universe is really funny right it throws you those those things but he said something that really struck me and it was really when we talk about that year i have that anniversary of like a year of like kind of coming to terms with mental illness coming to terms with my mental health in general um he described 
I think I even touched on it in, in the hot button for one of my quick interviews. I don't know if it got cut or not, but with depression, we kind of think of like the opposites of like happy and sadness, right? Happy, the opposite of happy is sad. The opposite of sad mm-hmm. is happy. So we kind of do that with depression and we think like, oh, depression is sadness. So the opposite of sadness is happiness, right? So the thing is, is like, I've been deeply fucking depressed and I, you know, I have depression. Like I've been diagnosed with general depression and the details of that are still coming with every session that I have. Um, something that, that Paul said was the opposite isn't, um, happiness from depression. The opposite of depression is vitality. And, and the reason that that really struck me is because he's, he's saying that like energy having the energy to, to just go and move forward. It's like, sorry, that if we're going to talk about being emotional, like I feel that a little bit, but when you're depressed, you don't, you don't feel like moving. Things become cold. They become kind of stagnant. They become weighed down. They become sticky. They feel, uh, what's the word? I mean, they just feel congealed in a, in a, in a weird kind of word. Let's bring that up. They just, they just feel that way. And like when you're not in that, you you feel energy. You feel like going. And and I think that it really struck me because it was around the time that the lead singer of Linkin Park, who was, you know, that music was very big to me when I was growing up, um, Chester, he had committed suicide. And I started just thinking, I was like, you know, these this is someone that has people surrounding him. And, you know, we can, we can talk all day about, like, how celebrities might not actually be happy with all that's going on around them. Sure. But it's like... Mm-hmm. I was seeing myself as so alone and feeling depressed and shitty. And I was like, well, this person has people around them and a family and all this stuff. And not as a point of comparison, but it's like their level of vitality is what was waning. You know, like their their happiness. I'm sure there was things that brought them happiness through their connections and this and that. But what weighed them down, what the factor, you know, could have been. Again, I'm not trying to really dig into that so much, but... But when you feel hopelessness, when you feel like there's no other answer, that's mm-hmm. like you're lacking energy. And like that shit just really hit me because it was like, I'm, I don't see myself as suicidal, but that's also mm-hmm. because I, I'm looking at things in a black and white way. Like when my therapist asked me, are like, are you suicidal? I'm like, no, but I also have days where I can think I've been so hurt and I've been so in my depression that like I could imagine a future where taking a lot of more hits, taking a lot more things that just weigh down so heavily Mm -hmm. on you and then not having support around and not having people around. I don't like to feel that pain. And, mm-hmm. and I'm never going to say like, Oh, I'm possible to be suicidal in the future. But it's like, there was a time where it's like, I couldn't tell you that that isn't a possibility. Um, mm-hmm. And that's different than saying you are suicidal, and I want to respect that. But but we also have to understand that, again, things are not binary. Things do not just always fall into a black and a white category. Um, so, yeah, I again, going back to that being a shout-out, um, the mental illness happy hour is, is a huge resource that just – it's a lot of discussion, and it's a lot of interviews, and it's a lot of just – people just saying shit that you need to hear because not everyone's right. having these conversations. And the, the other person that I want to shout out is Anxiety. 
This is, uh, it's spelled like anxiety, but with an M, M-X-I-E-T-Y. I, I love anxiety. Her name is Marie. Um, I met, didn't meet, but I, I came across her because I was actually trying to get better at Twitch and I was trying to learn how to, to be broadcasting, um, learning the business side of broadcasting and how I can, you know, like artists, we don't, we don't focus on the business side. So we kind of like, we lose in some areas and she happened to be interviewed on this, this, uh, show for Twitch to kind of like build on talking about mental health, which normally was not the topic. And she, I don't know, she was just saying all the right things. She was at a time when I needed it. And I gained a lot of information that gave me confidence. I think that's what it is. You know, like when people say knowledge is power, man, it was really resonating with me then because even lacking confidence and lacking um, some of that direction of where do I go next, um, she was saying things that like I was feeling and it was like, I don't ever want to feel this way anymore. Um, I don't want to be in such a dark place that I come back to those feelings of like not wanting to be around or not, you know, wanting to die and shit like that. And, and she was kind of just saying like, and I'm going to butcher, you know, the, any of it, but, but just essentially like, what can I do to move forward and help people? Like I want, I don't want others to feel this way is what I took from it. Right. I don't want others to go through what I went through. And if they do, I don't want them to suffer and feel it as long. Um, right. So yeah, I, I, huge, huge props. And we've, we've chatted back and forth and I would love to, to meet her someday because of the Twitch community. And that's something that I'm getting more involved in, but I highly recommend people checking her out. And again, I'm, I'll provide some links. Hopefully we can put in the show cool, notes cool. and stuff. Yeah, we'll yeah. definitely get those. But she has a show on Twitch, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights. And I highly recommend people checking it out. And what is it? What's what's she do on her Twitch? So it's more like uh, sometimes she interviews and sometimes it's just kind of going through mental health topics. You know, she's not a mental health professional. Right. But she's a researcher. She's someone that has, has been very um, understanding of herself and, and has been working through mental health and mental illness and, and all the, the factors in between, you know, her whole life as much as, you know, being a researcher. So what she'll do is, you know, she might talk about a certain topic that she's heavily researched or she'll bring in someone that has also either... Just, you know, she'll focus on certain topics and she'll have people that are respectable for those topics come in and just give their story. Essentially, it's that. Mm. It's just sharing stories. Um, there's times when she's had therapists on her show. There's times when she's had, um, there's actually another gamer that's a therapist. He's like about 29 or 30, I think, or a little younger than me. But he'll game and then he'll answer questions in the chat. And then he'll have times when he'll just dedicate to almost treating it more like talking you know because res- with respects to that you there's only so much you can do and then legally there's only so much you can do um through that platform right but it gives you those conversations that as someone who doesn't see that it means the world right so mm-hmm. so yeah i will definitely uh, provide some notes for that that's interesting. I mean, I just signed up for Twitch yesterday. <laughs> I'm proud just of you. That's to, quick. Just to go, <laughs> just to be able to go and see. You know, I kind of knew. I I know that it's mostly like 
it's probably started mostly as a gaming yeah. platform, right? Where t- live stream gaming, which does not connect with me at all right. in any sense. Like I don't, you know. I know, I know. Though I mean, we're. I was just talking with one of the moms the other day because it's like. You know, my kid wants to watch like a video of a guy playing a video game. It's like, no. You know what? And I and I went through that too. The funny thing is, I've always done that though. I've always been the little brother that was watching my brother play okay. video games, right? So that's yeah. there is a factor to that. And so, like, yeah, on the surface, that's going to be like a lot of people's first thoughts. Like, why would you want to watch someone play something? It's like, well, sure. Why would you want to watch a movie? <laughs> Because something else is happening in front of you that you're not doing. Um, You're being entertained no matter what. And it's not just... The thing is, we kind of see it as like, you know, you're just watching someone play. But there's also commentary. But they're talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah, There's so many... It becomes a form of entertainment. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. But I agree with you. On the surface, I mean, I've been that way too. Where it's like, when I first was introduced to a lot of it, you know, years ago... I was like, I just didn't have a place for it. And I was also, right. I was also not, it's funny because video games for me are very healing. Um, okay. I always used video games as a means of either escape or as a means to just like experiment and try things. And when I got older, times it, it, it didn't, I wanted to play video games, but even, you know, through anxiety and these things that kind of weigh down on you, you start to not do things you like because it's a waste of time, right? It's, it's like, I only have an hour free. It's like, do I play video games or do I do something else? And then when you're maybe not in line with what's best for you, I would start to play video games and then anxiety would build up and it's like, I'm wasting my time. I, I should be doing uh-huh. something else. I should be working on something or, and I mean that, com- yeah, I mean, and that comes from like living in New York city as well. I mean, amongst other places, but Jesus, the bills never stopped, right? So, right? so anytime I had a moment to breathe, it was like, I could game, but the moment I start gaming, I'm going to think, I am not making any money doing this. And that's the, right. that's the unfortunate downfall to it. So watching people game was also a way of being like, bringing it back in slowly and getting, right. getting that entertainment factor, but also connecting and community, which is also probably why playing games by yourself feels a certain way. But then when you play with other people's, it's like, I can see way more benefits. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that's personal. So everybody has their own. Sure. Yeah. And you were, um, so so now it's interesting because I follow, um, like I follow Carly Eyed on uh, Instagram. You know who I'm talking I about? I think so. From Hit Record. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And that's what, yeah. She, she's an illustrator and uh, she'll post a lot of times videos of herself sketching which for me like those are I could watch that for sure um and I know she's just started trying to use twitch like as uh you know live illustration I guess and also Timbo J which uh is another hit recorder right I like Tim's um so I'm like that's interesting you know and I guess they're calling that creative or something on Twitch and then just to hear that right. people are doing like almost like a talk show or something on the yeah that's uh that's interesting and so what and you're starting to get into it and starting to think of it also as potentially a source of income right or a, or a, a, a platform to grow your 
base or yeah yeah i mean eventually i would love for for twitch for me to become um a source of income and i don't see that happening uh right away with respects to the system but Mm -hmm. also it's like anything that we do as artists like just because you put something out there like why do people care why do people Mm want to consume it why do people want to share it you know all these things are factors so I see, I'll just start with, like, when I first started really getting into Twitch and, like, kind of even just mostly viewing people and not really doing so much with being so so active in, like, communities and stuff. Um, but one way I was kind of introduced is I had a friend that was streaming and they let me, you know, play a couple games with them. And, and it's not hard for me. Like, I started to come back into myself. This was, like, again, this was one of those factors where it was like, holy shit, like, I haven't been myself in ways. Because I've always, mm-hmm. I have always been myself, but, like, suppressed in ways. It's like, I haven't been this form of myself in so long. And it was, like, because it was, we were playing online and we were just joking around. And I, was, I started doing, like, silly voices. And, and, and you get as a comedian and as someone that like likes to make people laugh when you get those responses right that's like mm-hmm. validation and and that validation was like also having people say does that person have a twitch because i would totally watch them if they were on twitch sure. and it's like i mean i've always known and and from the business and standpoint you know like that's the shit you need to to pay attention to when people are like i like that I want mm-hmm. to buy or use that or share mm-hmm. it. Where is it? It's like red flag, red flag. <laughs> like, so for me, it was like Twitch is a fucking, it's a no brainer because it's such an open platform. Like, yeah, we see it as like video games, but like, I just found out somebody yesterday is on there reading books <laughs> and they're reading, <laughs> they're reading books to, you know, if you have people there, that's the point. You know, you, you right. start off, you're going to have no one there, but you, you build these communities, right? That's why I right. use Instagram. That's why I use Twitter to build communities. Um, they're reading books to people. And that's such a dope idea because it's like, even if the book is shitty, people can talk about the book. Even if the book the book is good, people can talk about the book. Um, <laughs> you can do voices. You can act it out. I mean, there was story time in school. Like, we can go back to, like, where these things worked. Right. And, and in respects, like, you can form a method of anything I watch people do DIY on Twitch. I mean, a, mm-hmm. a lot of people I watch are making like cosplay or costumes. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm sure there's woodworkers. I'm sure that there's there's cult, there's kitchen stuff because there's also a factor in Twitch that's not live. Like you can upload videos, you can schedule videos mm. to play at a certain time. I was like, oh my god, dude, this is a. I've always wanted to have a TV show. Like, growing up, I always wanted to have a form of entertainment that was, like... I think of, like, Pee-wee's Playhouse. I think of, like, these shows that are, like, multimedia. <laughs> going going back to the, the original part of this whole discussion. Um, did you ever see Wienerville? Like, that what? was... Wiener Wienerville? Wienerville no. was this show on, on, on Nickelodeon that was very... I'm much older than you. I know, but mm. trust. <laughs> I mean, that sounded such a dick a dick response. <laughs> I, I, my intent was not how my words came out. Um, that was funny. <laughs> and that's the end of it. No. Yeah. 
Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. your end. Your end closes off. I'm like, hello. <laughs> um, no, but it was it was very much in the vein of like a Pee Wee's Playhouse on Nickelodeon, and this dude, I can't remember his name. His last name was was Wiener, and he he played like these puppets. It would be his head, and they were on these puppet bodies, and like they'd be in like different windows, like it was a cityscape, and they'd be in different windows, and. They would just do multimedia stuff and then they would do real people because of the puppets and then they would do cartoons and I, th- I just think of th- stuff like that that really just like captivated me and it's like mm-hmm. Twitch is like this platform where like you can do, you know, terms of service, but like you can do so much and build like a, a TV show because people do transitions, right? So like you see me here, but I could put on a transition screen and then maybe I have a camera in the other room. I have a camera facing a different direction that's got a whole different backdrop or some shit. And it's like, oh, I'm just, it, it's like, it's the, the art behind that alone where it's just like, you could do whatever you want, but then you could be artistic mm-hmm. in how you present it too. Yeah. Like overlays and, and little graphics that are in the, in the corners and stuff. And, and like you press a button, someone has a button that just like has like an audience clapping. Do you understand how much I would abuse that? <laughs> like, like for the stupidest things and it's all self entertainment, but like people want to be entertained in a world where so much just feels shitty you know mm-hmm. so yeah i yeah it just i see so much potential in that platform for a lot of different reasons yeah going into it thinking you're gonna make money is not the way to do it but when you right. have a community and people want to support you that kind of comes with time right so mm-hmm. i respect it that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be paying bills with it anytime soon and and i've had to step away because mental health and physical health um especially at the beginning of this month started to be more way more um valuable like i needed to focus on them uh but you communicate with people and you let them know you're going to be away and people respond and they want to hear back from you it's like you're building communities and and that's what we need more of like building communities and building each other up and supporting each other and then art and entertainment is like the basis of it like fuck yeah (laughs) It's what yeah. it's what we do with Hit Record, right? It's just a different, yeah. it's just a different platform and a different uh, group of people doing it. No, and it's good to know when to step away too, because Twitch isn't that the one where it's like sometimes these gamers and they'll just like they started doing twenty four hours and more, and then they start having health issues because they're not moving. And well, you know, that's okay. So, so the difference with that is, um, I mean, that's a personal. That's a different. That's thing. an isolated. Yeah, but... You know, yeah, that's an isolated case, and we don't put that on Twitch, um, right? People use the platform to do like these marathon streams and these these subathons, like subscriber um, events. Um, but no, that's why. Again, we have a lot of us out here that advocate for mental health that talk about it because that's what also got me um, really interested through Anxiety's work because I was like, I know that I can't do the work that she's doing. I know that that's not where my place is, but it's inspired me because I don't, you know, again, I don't want to feel that shittiness. I don't want to feel that way anymore. And I want to help people. Gamers have a lot of unhealthy habits and it comes for, you know, a lot of different reasons. Like you said, like, you know, those things where, you know, gaming 24 hours, like that's a really, that's a really particular case, but sitting long durations of time, even as office workers, even as people, even as adults, we know it's like unhealthy. So who's, 
who's telling kids, who's telling these gamers that, mm-hmm. like, you know, these long periods of sitting, these not getting hydration, not eating um, good before because you don't mm-hmm. think about it through those three hours or whatever, you know, yeah, there's, there's a lot of... Um, in the gaming community itself, these conversations that need to kind of be happening more and more of like taking care of yourself. And that actually is why Twitch has been beneficial because yeah, you'll have these people that are, I fucking hate influencers. Um, because, because once you start, you start labeling yourself an influencer, I already start to think like, you're a certain type of person, which again, that's going to, that's going to overlap in ways that that makes sense. And that doesn't make sense because you'll see different cases, but, but I do see people in a lot of ways that say that they are influencers and the shit that they say is so problematic and it's so gatekeeping in ways because, you know, they're not taking care of themselves because they can make money and keep going, you know, or, or this and that. It's a, yeah, the, the, the whole followers thing and every, it's addictive too. Like, it's like, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's, it's becomes a cycle. And if you're not focused on being healthy about it, it's all mental health and it's all self care because like, again, like being the supporter of someone that needs support, like, you got to remember to recharge your batteries. If you want to help people, if you aren't recharging your batteries, then maybe you're missing some things. And then you're also giving poor advice because you think your advice is working, but it's working because you're pushing through in ways that are actually not healthy. (laughs) Okay. So we talked about Twitch and you also said you're getting into Skillshare. It's like a site where basically people can create like an online class and it's like a membership site, right? Yeah. So you can pay to have access to all the classes. And you've got a few up there. Um, you've got your spray paint art, your scanography, your pixel art. Were the were the scanography and the spray paint were those older? And then the yeah, I just, the new one is the yep. I just did more recently the pixel art one. Those ones are the scan and the spray paint are probably a couple of years old now. Yeah. Jeez, you can yeah. look at this spray paint one, and I'm I'm in New York City, and so I've got my long shaggy hair. And there's a day when I didn't shave, and I just look back on it like, who's gonna listen to this guy? <laughs> no, <laughs> but I guess I love but for it. spray paint it and worked. I feel like the aesthetic and everything was good there. It's just looking back on it, I'm like, I mean, I look different compared to that, and and it's just funny. It's just yeah, right surreal. No, but that made me think of, and I had to go find on Hit Record because I remember so specifically that you put up a video yeah. of yourself making, yeah. making some of the spray paint art. It's like the guy, like the people on the street that I've seen. Like I know I've been in like San Francisco and different places, and you'll see yeah. um, the people like performing and doing these these uh, spray painting. I'm trying to describe it for the listeners, like. Um, it sometimes looks like outer space or like a landscape or all this stuff. And you can usually watch people do it in front of you and you, you do it perfectly. I mean, it, it was amazing to watch you. And then I saw that you were like selling them at a market. And I was wondering if you were doing them live also when you were at the market. Yeah. I mean, there were, there was a couple times where I set it up. I'm always, because I'm environmental conscious, I always try not to, put myself always out there because it's spray paint and I want to buy like there's water-based you know spray paints they've had them for a little bit now um all the stuff I have now left over is all aerosol but yeah depending on the 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 setting and the environment how close people are and and ventilation and that um 
but yeah, I have done them live and it's fun. I've done them on Twitch. That was kind of like when I was just experimenting and I, I was using my phone to stream. So not even a computer or anything even, right. even special like that. It's fun. It's quick. It's, it's very fluid. And the funny thing is, is like, I went into that. I don't see myself as a painter, <laughs> but I am, pa- <laughs> but I am painting. I'm using paint, but it's because I'm using yeah. it in a, in a different way. Right. Like spray painting on the, on the paper and, and using tools to take it back up as opposed to always just putting it down. The funny thing is like now I look back and I watch Bob Ross and it's like it really translates uh, in a similar way because Bob Ross uses a very wet technique. So like when he's Uh, putting the paint on the on the canvas, the canvas is already usually wet, like he's putting a base layer down. So it does give you the ability to kind of cut through the paint and create these mm. layers that you don't get by just adding the layers on top of each other. It's a little bit of like taking away as much as it's kind of putting it down. Um, translates differently for spray paint, but as I watch it, I'm like, oh shit, like that kind of, I'm learning more now than when I just used to watch it. But just to touch back real quick in respects to uh, Skillshare, it's like Netflix, right? Like you can just right. put it on and, and there are free classes, um, but yeah, it uh-huh. is mostly like a subscription. Yeah, it said something like there's 2,000 free ones and yeah. and I was like, oh, I wonder what I could teach. I didn't think of any. <laughs> it's, it takes time. I mean, there is, there's a lot to teaching, right? And that's why, that's why it's different than just like tutorials on YouTube. And that's what the, right. the benefit is, is because you're getting more out of it. You're getting usually pretty direct communication with a teacher, with your classmates. Less, I don't really experience trolls, but you know, internet's internet and you're going to have your days. Um, right. But it's a community and it's more facilitated to learn. No, I thought it was really, um, really cool. And so that's something you're planning on on doing more of. Yeah. Is that towards building like an income stream? Yeah. Something that I'm heavily, I, I want to talk to everybody about it. That'll probably be one of my next classes uh, because, again, like you said, like you can't think of what you want to do. Like that's how I feel because I feel like there's things I could do, but could I really make a class about it? Like, am I really Mm -hmm. that interested, but also do I have enough to say and to add? Um, But as to what you just said, that's like passive income. That's like Mm -hmm. setting up these devices, setting up these methods that you do the work. You know, it's not like it's easy. You do the work Mm -hmm. and you get it out there, but through the work and through setting it up and through business models and promotion, you shouldn't have to always keep going back to it to maintain. Passive mm-hmm. income meaning you set it up, you walk away, maybe you keep setting up more. And they just, mm-hmm. they're they're building on top of each other. Mind you, I have to go back and I do have to, I have students, so I have to communicate with my students and interact. And there are factors that do take me back, but like t-shirts you know I do t-shirts and I do designs the most that I have to do after I upload them is promoting them but for the most Mm -hmm. part they sit on this site that I don't do the printing I trust these Mm -hmm. people very much because the quality has always been very good and I've ordered from them but I need things set up that are going to start streaming in money because like everybody we only have so much time and so much energy in the day I can only do so many paintings in one day. I can only do so many graphics in one day to pay for bills. So what can I do when I'm not working that's going to keep kind of like, you know, bringing in money so I can keep 
working <laughs> what can right. i what can what's gonna establish some level like stream of income and passive income is one of those things that i think people should really look into and how they can do it because everything kind of inner inner works you know like i promote on instagram and i promote on uh twitter and and like i have twitch and all these things but the reason is is because they all kind of like feed into each other right so right so yeah that's the goal is to set these things up and hopefully through the work that I've already done, they do start to bring money in eventually. And, and some have, and some, you know, take a little bit longer than others and might need some tweaking, but. And then just respond to emails from your private island. and. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I know, right? And that's the thing is like, even, even Twitch people that are doing well, it's like they still have to, that's why they're doing it full time. You get a bunch of money, but it's like, okay, well now cut that in half for all your bills. And like, okay, I'm a human and I have to eat and. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah, there's such a there's such a glossed over view of like creators and people that are like, you know, A, you're asking for money. How dare you? B, you're making money. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like no matter what you do, it's like it's going to be under scrutiny. So, OK, I have a question about because you do a lot of fan art. Is that, is that how you would call it? I mean, yeah, kinda? I never really thought or, of it that way, but you I, are right. Actually, in, okay. In yeah. I saw you write that somewhere. So that's that was, I actually pulled that. That was me probably coming the, to or, terms with it, right? Yeah. So I have questions about this, but if you don't want to answer them because you think it'll get you in trouble, I, then we won't. Fuck the but police. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll answer. Because... Yeah, as it's coming very clear, like through me doing this podcast, is like I'm a super rulesy person. I'm by the book. I'm, you know. So when you do, like for example, you've got like a shirt that's like based on Pokemon or something like that, right? right? It's your take on it. What do you take as kind of like the rules or the, or do you have any kind of rules that you follow yourself that I'll do this and I won't do this and I think this is right. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky area, right? Especially when you first start getting into it, because you have to do the research. You have to understand like what's okay and what isn't, and everything's always evolving too. So something that might have been okay might have not been. It might have been changed because of you know I don't I don't keep up with copyright rules. You know, over right. overall, like from a legal standpoint. So who knows what's changed from what I did know? Mm-hmm. But parody. There's a, there's a line where parody kind of like separates you, right? Um, and, right? And again, there's so much where people have money more than you, so it doesn't matter. And right. you will never be able to fight a case. So mm-hmm. for the most part, you just end up having to take something down. Um, in respects to like the t-shirt sites that I use, they usually, they do all that. They do all the legal stuff. If like say Nintendo or Disney or um, Marvel sees something and they flag it the company will take it down and you don't get any repercussions um because they're dealing with the front lines of it and you're the artist and they support the artist it's not always the case but for me that's what i've seen and there's things that have been taken down and i'm just like i think that you're really just taking that down because you're going to actually steal my idea oh and 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 I, and i don't say that i don't say that like openly for a lot of things but there are a few things that I'm just like I worked pretty hard to make that like go under the radar and I and I kind of think that I'm gonna see it printed somewhere 
Um, because I've had Disney, I've had Marvel, uh, you know, representatives who the, who knows who these people really are uh, doing right. doing the work. But I'll get my emails from like you know I work with T Public and stuff. I'll get my emails that say like DMCA or whatever it is uh, had to take down for this design because Marvel said so. And it's funny because it always happens around like movie releases. So you can kind of tell, uh, you can kind of tell when they're looking for, for people, they know that artists are trying to cash in or something. And like, they're, they're like being a little bit more uh, fine tooth to like dig through and find things. Like I did a, I think I did a very parody Okay, so going back to what you said, copying is fucking copying. Mm-hmm. That's not right. that's not parody, right? Like if you can find this image through like reverse image searching and stuff, like right. that's that's copying. Um, we learn how to remix pretty well on hit record, right? That helped mm-hmm. me come to terms with a lot of shit that I didn't understand and and kind of broke into it a little bit better because remixing is so understood on the site. Mm-hmm. So that being said, like, you'll see my, my Pokemon stuff where it's like the silhouette of the Pokemon, but it uses like right. paint splatter and like, I right. can kind of fall under the radar. Mind you, if they wanted to take it down, they probably would very much win that argument, sure. but I'm only realistically taking the silhouette and therefore it kind of can go under the radar of not copying because I'm using mm-hmm. my creative devices to to create it into something different, into a parody of this character. It's not just this character, it's a version. <sighs> that being said, I've had plenty of things that I thought, like I said, were parody and they've been taken down right. because, again, I think that they're going to make money off, off that design. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, there is, it's, it's an experiment. It's sometimes you touch into waters that are borderline copying but might also be borderline parody and it's right it's uh it's a tough one you find your place in it that's all I can kind of comment interesting yeah Yeah, so it hasn't been without uh without issue but it's kind of like right now it's take it down and then it's over and that's the benefit that I have uh I mean I'm gonna touch into something else with that but like that's based off of copyright and and people you know me using other people's work on the reverse mm-hmm. of that that we have in the last few years i think it was like three years ago two years ago when i really was seeing it we have these smaller artists these independent growing artists you know i say smaller but growing that they're not the size of like these huge fashion companies or whatever um but mm-hmm. you see these fashion companies and you see these stores stealing these designs from these smaller designers and like pins like enamel pins so like you Mm -hmm. think that they'd even put a little bit more creativity where it's like okay here's a design we'll steal it but we'll put it on something else it's like no here's a pin design we're gonna steal it and we're gonna make these pins it's like that's how shitty you can't fight it you can't fight it as a small artist because these people have all this money and all this legal backing no, um, just wait till you go broke. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just it's just one of those things where you find your place in it and you learn the battles that you can do and the battles that you can't. Yeah. And then you've used um you've used sites like freelance sites like Upwork and Fiverr. I mean, is there a way to make them work where yeah, you're yeah. you know where you're actually earning money and not five dollars and so fiverr i i've used fiverr i'll just be upfront and say i've used freelancer i think dot com or whatever i've used freelancer i've used fiverr i've used upwork 
Um, trying to think if there's any other in between, but those are like the main ones that usually come across people's uh, attention. Fuck freelancer. <laughs> um, Fiverr, Fiverr's rough, but but when you need money and you need help, you need to go where you can. And and mm-hmm. I think the the problem that people have when they hear Fiverr is they just think five dollar transactions, but that's like the 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 basis. You can mm-hmm. create anything at any price, um, but it's just like anything. Why does anyone want to buy from you? So if you don't have examples of why your work is worth $25, you know, for instance, I'm going to go to like, I recently I've been working a lot in Twitch uh, emotes, which are like Twitch emojis, essentially. Right. Um, each each subscriber or each uh streamer can use those and so like as an artist you know talking about like streams of income like that's another reason why i see twitch is like boom 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 like people need backgrounds people need graphics people need um emotes so Mm -hmm. so with respect to that like defining that on fiverr you can still do emotes for 25 dollars. you can still have these different they have like a tier system i think like basic package, premium package, you know, whatever. I don't know how they define it, but like you don't have to have $5 increments or whatever. You can put something at $20 and then the next step is 50 and the next step. So there's a way that Mm -hmm. you can make it. But again, if you don't have people that follow you, if you're not advertising out there, if there's no reason for people to be like, yeah, I'm going to choose this person over that person, which is a factor, which we don't always have control over. I mean, that's, that's what you're dealing with because like, right. I can put my shit at any price I want. Now, hopefully I have a commission page and I have examples of my work to back it up. Now, with all that being said, there are, this is a quick example, but it can be in any respects I've dealt with, oh, there's, there's someone else doing the same thing I am, but their remotes are $5 each. Well, guess what? They're based in Indonesia and they actually have like a 10 person team. And, right. and it's not just one person that's like, I need to pay for bills. It's a team that's like getting as many orders as possible. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. treating the market this way and it, and it affects everybody. It's just the way that it is. There's just fluctuations in money and all that stuff and, and service. So that's, that's kind of the, the downfall to Fiverr where you're always going to have someone next to you. And, and again, as artists, we, we, we don't need to compete. Like that's the worst part is like there's so much work to go around, but when you start right. to to box things in, then it feels it feels mm-hmm. scarce. Um, so if I'm on Fiverr with twenty five dollar emote graphics and someone's got five dollar emote graphics, someone that's going to Fiverr is looking to to spend mm-hmm. less money. They're technically going to probably go to the lesser person, right. which might not be as good a quality. That's a whole other discussion, but you will have that factor. You will have someone right. lowballing, and therefore you will be affected by it. Um, and do you stick to your guns and keep your price? I've been encouraging some people lately saying, and I just, I hope it works. I don't know. But, um, you know, it's like you can charge whatever you want. There's yeah. no, you know, and and some people, they just, they're always what I would consider expensive. And because they've never been anything else, if you want to work with them, that's what you're going to pay. And, of course, at $25, you could get one-fifth the jobs as the as those other guys and still be earning the same money. But are you getting, you know, 
any are you getting i don't know so do you right keep your price so so that again it's going to be it's going to be dependent on the person like the artist it's going to be depending on what they're what they're working with like we're kind of sticking around the the twitch emote as a as a basis um so for me personally, I've struggled with my prices and a lot of things for different reasons. And it's usually because I don't have money in my bank account. So, right. so like there's a point where your confidence and your abilities and then your need for money start to become the, the, the thing that's most valuable to you because that's, that's really what life is giving you. You know, like I don't want to charge $20 for something that's worth 50 or a hundred, but I'm also not getting any work and I need money. So that's like mm-hmm. one factor, but then, you know, where I've been lately where, you know, I moved home and, and there is some stability. Like my parents aren't here now they're in Florida. So like the last few months, even with the mental health stuff, like I, it might sound like, Oh, I had the house to myself and that's how it was going into it. But like, Jesus, the the mental health (laughs) stuff, the energy stuff is like, it's so true. (laughs) It's not even no bueno. It's just, it's just, it's just a lot. Right. You don't, you don't think of like how much it really is. Um, but through pushing that, and like I said, it's going to be uncomfortable stuff that you work through. I've built up some confidence. I've had some people come to me looking for work that I kind of knew were shitty, but I needed the work. And then I was able to step back and be like, you know what? In the past, I've never asked for money up front. I know that I'm good at the work that I do, even though it's taken me a long time to get to that point of saying, I'm going to ask for my half or my money up front. And that's that's a big thing because that builds your confidence. Like, I know that I'm worth this much. And then that gives you the opportunity where it's like you start working with these people and they end up being shitty. You can back out. It's like Mm -hmm. the work that I did was the money that you gave me. I'm giving you that. And, Uh and you can be a little bit more generous and maybe give them some of the files or whatever. You know, this is actually shit Mm -hmm. that I've dealt with recently, but you deserve to respect yourself and you deserve to love yourself enough to know that something is going to be more draining than the money is worth. And, Mm -hmm. and that's taken a lot of practice and a lot of shit for me to get to that point. Um, Mm -hmm. and saying that I was backing out of that project sucked because it wasn't a big paying project, but the next $25 was going to be food for me. But it was like, is the anguish, is the job even going to be done when I think it's going to be done because this person is already taking advantage. So you have to like, that confidence comes, you hopefully get to a point as an artist where you don't have to sacrifice your prices. You don't have to give people discounts because they order a bunch of your work. They order a bunch of your work because you're fucking good. Right. Right. And that's, and that's one of those things that's hard to like kind of balance and come back to. And Fiverr makes it difficult, but Mm -hmm. when you need money, Fiverr is an option. Now I do appreciate Upwork a little bit more because you're sending people proposals as opposed to them kind of coming to you. And I think Fiverr has its different ways of doing it. But but what I like about Upwork is, you know, you've established your profile. You've established, like, these are what I these are things that I do. And then here's some work examples. I, I haven't gone back to it in a while. But I, I get messages. I actually have people message me saying, oh, would you like to apply for this? And that's not default. That means that they're looking at your site or they're looking right. at your stuff. 
that being said, like you propose their price and you can you can challenge their price and say it's worth more or whatever. But I've I've walked away with way more money on Upwork than I have on Fiverr. Um, right. And each one takes their cut, but the opportunities and the chances that I've had on Upwork have felt more like work and pushing forward as opposed to just like getting a couple bucks here and there and then dealing with like the anguish and the emotional and the, the stress of mm-hmm. just the competition that is there that you wish wasn't. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and something when you said about, you know, when you have problems with customers and that's the thing I've, I've always said, like I charge by the hour. I don't, di- I think it's harder with your kind of work, but it it's dips, right? Um, it goes in between sometimes. Yeah, but I charge by the hour because, you know, I'm dealing usually with larger projects and it's like, I don't know what's going to come up. I don't know how difficult you're going to be. You know, I don't say that to them. Yeah, right, <laughs> it's right. like, you seem like you an know asshole, what I so mean? Factor like, that in. <laughs> so I just, you know, I ch- I'm super honest with my hours and I charge by the hour and that way I know I'm getting paid what, what I feel is worth and you know what to expect and you know there's not usually any surprises but it's it's harder in your kind of work but I think that you can find also it's like okay uh this price you can say up front this price includes and then you start to factor in problems that you've had in the past this price includes up to uh, two minor changes or you know you know what I mean and must be completed within x number of days or and then you already have thought in advance you know additional fees that would apply or something and that way there's maybe no surprises and customer service issues and stuff and i think that you know as we get further along in work we we learn those things and i mean it took yeah even just to have the confidence to be like you know what and and it comes from being like i have no money in my pocket I need to get money in my mm-hmm. pocket. So you make decisions based off that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. Where the hourly thing, like I, for me personally, I would charge hourly for a lot of things. There's a certain standard when it comes to like emotes where it's just most people have a set price. Um, but the hourly thing could be a factor. For me, I don't charge hourly on a lot of things. Or if I do have a, a base price it's based off of like I know how many hours it's going to take me yeah Um, for me lately the reason I don't focus on hours is because of the mental health and the physical health stuff because I know like I'm gonna work for an hour but like I have to be honest is that an hour or was it 45 minutes and then I needed to go take care of myself or you know so so I I do use those uh those methods and those guidelines but for me personally I tend to use kind of like a middle ground. Um, I love to be able to say certain things are hourly and then I love to be able to say certain things are a set price because I, again, it it comes from practice. It comes from experience and, and, and confidence builds through it. Yeah. And I think in like design and illustration, people are used to having like, I want a logo. Okay. A logo design costs this much money and includes revisions you know yeah yeah yeah, this many revisions this many you know concepts this many you know so i think people are are used to that and i i i met a guy we had like a web developer once and he was very good and did some like 
like emergency work for us. And then the next month he's like, I do, I'm trying to think what it's called. Oh, a retainer. So mm. he's like, uh, if you want to work with me next month, like I've got uh, 10 hours still open. It's a retainer. You pay for the 10 hours. And mm. then it's like, use it or don't use it. Those 10 hours are yours yeah. and you've already paid them up front. And then if it's more, then we'll see if I can do hmm. it. was really interesting. I'm like, God, this guy's making a mint. Like he's really and 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 good for him because Exactly, right? That's the closest that you're gonna get to a salary as a freelancer, you know, is to get people to pay you up front and, and say, I've got this time set aside for you if you you know. Right if you think you need it. And I was just like, God, that's, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's amazing. And that's why little by little I've put in my steps of, um, like, say for Twitch emotes because, you know, $25 for an emote is, is really not a lot. I could be, and even streamers say, like, you artists could be charging so much more. And as an artist, it's like, I know that, but the market doesn't always um, facilitate that. But right. that being said, it's led me to understand like, okay, someone ordered five emotes. Well, mm -hmm. let's break up the payment where I'll do two and then we'll talk about the three after. But that's a saving me because maybe we don't work well together, you know, like we, right. we don't actually click. So like, yeah, I'm going to do that work and I'm going to get paid for that work. But that's our deciding checkpoint where it's like we need to separate we need to go mm -hmm. different ways and i've i've been so fortunate with the, the last few clients that i've had that i've just been upfront and i've been like hey you've expressed that you want a close artist because you know you want mm -hmm. a lot of your stuff redone and remade and and you want your site to be um updated i'm gonna be upfront. i have i struggle and i live with mental illness and my mental health uh flexes in and out i will always communicate i will always be open but mm -hmm. there are days where I will get no work done. There are days where I, where I will get everything done. I just try to be open and communicate. And this person has just allowed me to really like experiment and test some things out because they understand that. And not everyone has that opportunity. But I'm using that opportunity to be like, holy fuck, thank you. And next time I go into this, I'm going to say that my prices are $25. And... There mm -hmm. is no discount just because you ordered five. Mind you, right. it depends on the person that I'm interacting with because if they're really nice and, and I enjoy working with them, it's like you've ordered so much from me. I want to give you a discount. I want to. Sure. You know what I mean? Like there's there's that factor. So like you shouldn't have yeah. to sacrifice your prices because you need to make money. That, that happens. But like it's so much, it feels so much better to be like, you know what? I feel good cutting off a few dollars because you've provided mm -hmm. me with so much opportunity and work. Um, and that's just a personal thing. Um, sure. but, but yeah, you have to, you have to set boundaries and you have to understand like when you do that stuff that, and, and a factor is like, oh, they paid me all this money and, and now I don't want to work with them anymore, but I actually just spent that money on groceries. <laughs> so I can't give that money back. <laughs> so right, so don't right, set right. yourself up for, for failure, but don't set yourself up to have mental anguish, right? Sure. Oh. <laughs> There's so I mean, we could talk for, for so long, but yeah, that's just, yeah. that is, it's, everything is so fluid and that's all I want to get across that these binaries, these black and white bullshit understandings and practices, they, there's a reason why they're not working. 
So, so yeah. we need to keep talking yeah. and sharing and building, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we have definitely broken any record that I've had. Well, I think like the, the, we'll the range of topics as well as, as time. That's why I was like. It was like, yeah, three interviews. Yeah. I was just going to ask like, what's the, what's the big future look like? You got any big goals? Like kind of. The goals are always like not the problem. We can set these goals up, but it's like, how do you get to them? Um, yeah. If I were to speak that way, um, my big goals are I would love to, to have my Twitch up and running and, you know, like I am little by little, um, becoming less and less stagnant, mo- using it. Um, I was doing like every Sundays. I had, like I said, I had to take a break. I ideally would love to be able to be on Twitch more playing playing games, but I want to, to stream artwork. I want to build community. I want to be using that as a form of entertainment because I also want people to recognize, like, I do advocate, you know, for mental health and these other things. And I want a place for people to go to to feel comfortable, even if it's just for a few minutes because their day felt shitty or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Like, that's how I see Twitch for me. I see it as building up on the communities that I've been building on these other platforms and really just kind of coming together with that. And just having that as really like my focus would be my main goal. And then just being able to do all the other stuff when, when I wanted and when it was necessary, like, but it all facilitates itself. Right. That's why I like Twitch so much because like the more I'm on Twitch, the more people see me. And then it's like, Oh, he's also an artist. I could have him do work for me. So ideally, I think like I could see myself really building in the the Twitch platform as well as, you know, yeah. using Instagram and Twitter and, and things mm-hmm. like that. But I would just like to provide something for people that just feel like that they, they just need something to entertain them. And they just they're just looking for community and they just want to kind of... Um, have somebody that's talking about these things, talking about art, talking about feelings, talking about video games, talking about things that like on the surface, it's like, how do these even connect? It's like, we'll just have a conversation with someone and you'll see how they connect. So, so yeah, I, I see that as being like my biggest goal is building more community and more uh, production on Twitch. Nice. And on the Twitch, like, how are people hiring you? Like, are you basically like DM me and uh, I go from there, or are you sending that? Are you sending them to Fiverr, or are you trying to keep them? <laughs> no, so I don't like. So no, I don't right? really use Fiverr um, anymore, yeah. and and like I yeah. kind of just built that as like our our, our sure. thought experiment. But Twitter is such a. I know that not everybody uses it, and that's fair because it has. It's a tool that's specific. Um, as much as it has its fluidity to go in any direction, searching things on Twitter, like if you just put in Twitch emote, like you'll probably find people that are like, I'm looking for a Twitch artist, or you'll find people that are saying my commissions are this. So yeah, so like, again, Twitch is a platform, but it's going to be hard to build on Twitch. Twitch is a tool. Mm. I guess that's a better way for me to put it. Twitch is a tool as much as it's a platform. Whereas Instagram is also a tool and a platform, but because you're sharing things outwardly like that, people can see it. It's almost like business cards. I like someone described mm-hmm. uh, Instagram as like every post is like a business card. And like same thing with YouTube. Every every video is like a business card. They check it out. They're like, oh, I like this. I want to keep coming back or see what else they have going on. 
Twitch doesn't really provide that so much. So that's why I've kind of separated it to know like where that time will come. But my focus is I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm posting art that I've done for people and then saying, hey, my commissions are open. Um, I've had people that message me on the timeline or I'll say, you know, DM me. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that's usually how it works and, and it's been slow because I've been slow on it. But since I've been picking up in the last week, I've had three or four people reach out to me and, you know, like last night I just had someone put money in my account. I had someone today Mm -hmm. tell me they want this type of work and it's just, I haven't been putting that focus in for different reasons prior. And once I started doing it little by little, you start to see results. So, yeah, yeah. Good. And before this comes out, I'll get an update from you. So then I'll I'll talk about the update at the end. Yeah, sounds good. So thank you. Hey, thank you. Honestly, thank you. It sounds so uh, extra and dramatic, but like in my 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 mind was like <laughs> kind of throwing around these these ideas of like I've been waiting my whole life for this. <laughs> but like in in a sense, it's so it's true because like I said, like I've been suppressing my voice and like Twitch was that that little bit of moments where it's like I can be myself. But like I said, right. if you don't build that community, you don't always have people there to to do that. So it's it kind of it right. feels taxing. Where it's like you are like, hey, I like your art. That's all you had to say. And I was like, I like your art, and I'd like to talk to you. Like, uh-huh. like holy shit! Like that's a that's I know that's a thing, but like it's been so long and. <laughs> But yeah, I was, I've been so excited. Even in this, as we were talking, I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. It's so fun. <laughs> like, I've been waiting to do this for so long. <laughs> I really love this part. Like, this is, yeah. Like, I, I really found something I really enjoy doing. Because I, I literally, like, almost everything that I asked you, it's like, I've probably been sitting on these questions forever. Like, they're in my mind all day long. I wonder what that person's thinking. Right, I wonder right. why they do that. I wonder how they know how to do that. I wonder. And so. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've, you've inspired me, too, because it's like, for for the longest time, I got stuck in the rut of, like, I want to do YouTube videos. And I still kind of do, but it's like. Like we've said, there's so much work that you have to do. There's so many steps. There's editing. There's mm-hmm. there's writing it out, like all this and that. And then like, why not just do a podcast? Like then I'm start <laughs> when I start to think like I yeah. I'm getting better at like recording myself and and not like you know ums and ahs like the 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 mm-hmm. ticks and things that you don't want to hear yourself when you listen back. It's like that's practice and just doing it more. But like, why am I putting so much emphasis on something that's taxing like something that takes so much Mm -hmm. more energy out of me I love video right that's the thing that I'm holding on to but Mm -hmm. I don't love stressing over work so so it's like a podcast makes so much sense because the the amount of work is it's there but it's it's not as much as yeah there's a little yeah yeah yeah, you take out one of the elements yeah so i do love seeing your little updates though and you've been so smiley on them lately (laughs) and it's just agreed uh, agreed i i do like seeing it in the various stages of facial hair, we never know what we're gonna get. <laughs> That's what I mean. I'm like, I like, oh, it's ever, ever evolving, depending on the season or like how much money I have in my account. Like, can I, can I afford contacts? Can I, can I get a, can I get a damn razor? Like, yeah, I know. It's kind of nice. It helps me fly under the radar sometimes. Like, uh, people think that they're looking for me to look this way, and it's like, oh. I, sh- I shaved and I'm and I'm wearing a hat like I'm incognito. 
<laughs> but it's been like that my entire life, though, because like I had, you know, we didn't even talk about gastric bypass and that. But I was, oh god, I was, um, you know, uh, we talked about me being fat as a kid, so at least right. there. But, but the most I ever weighed was three seventeen. So like, there's people that see me and I can go right under the radar. And like now being right. like more into my my mental health and stuff, I'm like, oh, I can, I don't have to deal with this this right. interaction, which is a talking about the past and then be coming to the, the present and then whatever else, you know, like there's so much to those conversations where it's like, I, I'm so glad that this person doesn't see me right. as someone that wants to be seen. I also, right. I, you know, there's that, there's that balance. I hear yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I connect with a lot of, yeah. yeah, for sure. Oh, well now you just gave me a piece of information that now I have more questions to kill me, but Next we gotta time. go. Yeah. People are so interesting. Exactly. Everybody. Holy shit, yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, have fun with therapy. Absolutely. I, <laughs> you're going to be dull. I don't even know what the, the fuck to day. talk about. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's going to come up, but <laughs> but I definitely have talked more. You're going to be a zombie when you when you get out oh, of there. No, yeah. I, I shouldn't even plan on doing anything today. In my mind, I'm like, yeah, when am I going to get done? It's like, this was already. Yeah, and then I'm going <laughs> to. This is already yeah, so much big. The end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I loved all this so much, though. Thank you. And now the part where I talk about everything we just talked about. Wow, Jake Olson. What a conversation that was. And he threw out some new information at the end. And I guess he wants to come back on the show another time. Because um, that was great. I, I wanted to run through some things from the episode. But first, updates. Uh, This was actually recorded quite recently, but there were a few new things of note that Jake passed along to share. Um, Regarding the mental health discussions that we had, he has just seen a new psychiatrist and has a new diagnosis for bipolar depression, PTSD, and anxiety disorder. And so his journey continues, and from how open I've seen him be online, I imagine he'll continue to keep us updated and informed And I can't tell you how appreciative I am of him coming on and being just so open and making me feel so comfortable uh, in being able to ask questions that came up, maybe questions that I've had in general but never knew who to ask or felt comfortable doing. So I just, I, I hope everyone found it as interesting and helpful as I did. He also told me that since May is his birthday month, he's got a lot of cool things planned. He's doing some charity and awareness campaigns Uh, with art and collaboration and you'll find that across platforms but especially on his Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch. And plus he's working on a new Skillshare class so stay tuned for that. Lots of exciting new stuff on the horizon so make sure you follow him at Melanoso on Instagram, Twitch, hit record, and at the Melanoso on Twitter. You can check the show notes for more links to his Skillshare, TeePublic, and everything else. And just briefly, I want to run through a few more of my thoughts from this episode. So we talked about stigmas around being an adult and moving home with your parents. I found a statistic just a couple of years ago. It said that one-third of 25 to 29-year-olds are living with their parents or grandparents. So it's not at all uncommon. And um, hey, you know what? Who cares? Whatever works. Whatever your situation is and whatever works for you and your family. We were talking about anxiety and making phone calls, and I mentioned my contact lens issue. 
just an update. It's still an issue. They discontinued my brand of contacts that I've been wearing since I was 12 years old. And my eye doctor that I've been going to for years got really weird and unhelpful. And I don't know, it just got really weird. So now I have to go get another exam and do the whole trial lens thing and go through this whole thing again. And uh, I've been sitting on this for a long time. And you think I've done it? (laughs) Not looking forward to it. Uh, So it's going to be very slow on my end. But I'm on my last pair of contacts. So uh, I better hurry up. And uh, I guess stress-induced procrastination is a very, very real thing. We're kind of joking around about being dead inside and pushing those feelings down. And since I spoke to Jake, I've I've really been trying not to push those things down so much. And if I'm feeling anxiety or if I'm upset about something, I'm trying to talk about it, be open, not just kind of like living in my head about it. So I don't know if it's helpful, but it's something I'm definitely more conscious of now. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think I think it's good. I, th- I think it's a positive step. And then there was the topic of activism and balance. And this is something I think about so much. It's where I know I have the ability to affect change, but I also know that putting all my energy into it is going to affect the rest of my life and my family. And having to make these decisions about focusing on my family or myself versus the greater good, it's It's like this constant inner battle I'm having. And, you know, like I mentioned, I could tell you like 10 specific examples of what I mean, but I'm almost even just too scared to say them out loud because I do feel selfish and I feel bad and I feel guilty uh, because I do, I have been choosing myself or my family lately because it's the more that I do focus on my family, I just feel like things are better. But then when Jake says it and he talks about how he needs to step away and take care of himself, and I think, of course you do. Of course you need to take care of yourself. And, you you know, it's like you judge yourself harsher than you would ever judge anyone else. I don't know. I just thought I'd bring it up again. I don't know if I'm making any sense. But um, it's some, it's a topic that's definitely on my mind quite a bit. And he brought up the term Turtle Island when he was talking about this land, America, um, I had never heard that term before. And so in case you haven't either, Wikipedia says Turtle Island is the name for North America used by many Native Americans, First Nations people, and by indigenous rights activists. So um, I don't know, I googled it and I thought I would share it with you as well. I learned so much from Jake about about those specific issues you know it is it is interesting the causes that kind of speak to each of us um and his involvement it's really opened my eyes and I'm glad he was able to speak on it for a little bit during our conversation and regarding art I'm so glad we got to spend some time on the specifics of some of the platforms Jake uses Twitch is really interesting to think about as a way of sharing art and building community I love the idea of Skillshare And, um, oh, he talked about corporations stealing smaller artists' work. And I have to say, I'm usually just so trusting and assume people are good and follow the rules. And I didn't want to believe it. And I Googled it. And, wow, so many specific examples of artists who are showing their artwork and then the copy by Disney. 
by Sarah Forever 21 Ford. I mean, so gross. Why doesn't everyone just do the right thing? It's really frustrating. Really, really, really frustrating. But I, I want to. I do want to wrap up here. I wanted to provide a couple more resources regarding mental health before I go. Jake recommended the Mental Wellness Happy Hour and Anxiety as recommended resources, and I'll post some links in the show notes for that. And I also wanted to mention a couple that are um, more on the entertainment side of things, but definitely touch on mental health. First of all the podcast Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. If you aren't familiar with it, it's the actor Dax Shepard, and he does long-form interviews, typically with celebrities, um, sometimes with subject matter experts. And it's very much in the style of this podcast. I mean, that podcast inspired this podcast. I really liked the format of these long, in-depth conversations. I just wanted to do mine with a different group of people. And of course, everyone's got their own spin on things. But... Uh, Dax is a recovering alcoholic and drug addict and gets into some of the deeper topics, but it's also a very entertaining podcast. But I do find, you know, I'm thinking about things after I listen to it. Um, So I recommend that. And also on Instagram, you might want to follow Alec with Pen. He's an illustrator and comedian, uh, but his, I'll call them his comics, typically deal with mental health there it's a really weird sense of humor but I really enjoy it and I find it funny and relatable he talks about therapy his own uh, mental health journey I guess you would say and anyway I really like it maybe you will too so that's at Alec A-L-E-C with pen W-I-T-H-P-E-N on Instagram And if you feel like you need help and you're not sure where to start, um, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. And if you'd rather just do like a chat online, you could find it at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Or, you know, just reach out to someone and ask for help and don't be by yourself with it. So thank you so much to Jake Olson and thank you so much for listening. You can find us online at notnosy.com and on social media at notnosypodcast. Be well and I'll see you next time. Bye.